Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. We've been doing this podcast for about four years now. 2022, we're in. And I I could think of all the times that I've been on this show and I've said something. And I come into a show with information. And more so than anything else, I'm respectful, very respectful, for the most part. I, I, I usually don't talk my shit. I usually don't go out of my way to say that, hey, I'm right about something. I mean, think about it when we did the pre-Avengers Endgame pod. And I was like, hey, I think this uh, time thing is going to happen. You know, I got the ding-dings and whatever. But I didn't I didn't take no, like, real, like credit or went crazy off of that either now remember when wandavision happened and i did the thing with the white vision everybody was making fun of me just cracking jokes that's that episode i remember it too episode episode seven and the following week listen i i had a little missive but i didn't go in now this past podcast that we did this past podcast that we did with our friend Nitz. Nitz came on, and beforehand, I was talking to Jerome. God bless Jerome Chang, the wonderful black dragon role. I ain't even, I'm not even giving, he's not here today, but I'm not even going to give him the half man, half a season because he's in Toronto like Vince Carter joke. I'm not even going to do that. But what I am going to do is let's refer to what he said to me every time. And he does this a lot. He does this a lot. When I, when I say like, Hey, Kang's going to do this and Kang's a villain. You got to watch out for Kang. Just watch out for him. It's going to be a thing. You projecting Anthony, you're projecting. And then I wrote that article on Murphy's multiverse about a couple weeks ago. Oh no, maybe like 10 days ago where I talked about, Hey, phase four, It's not on Marvel Studios. It's on you. It's on you people. No patience. Just running to say things. With no information. Nothing. Just talking a whole bunch of shit and don't know anything. And here I am, respectfully, trying to give you info. Trying to give you game. I'm trying to give you game. Respectfully. And still, you're projecting. Oh, well don't, well, don't tell me how to watch. No, I'm not telling you how to watch. All I'm telling you is to ask a question. I asked a question in that article. Ask yourself a question. Ask this question. Is it them or is it you? Is it, is it the way that you watch stuff? Is it the way that you receive this content that has changed? And you know, how, well, you know why I asked that? Because I asked myself the same damn question. I asked myself, because for a moment there, I was thinking the same thing, but then I was like, yo, there's a reason that they built these things out. This is why they take the time to do it. Phase four, as Kevin Feige says tonight, and the reason why we're here, San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con 2022, Marvel just made a whole bunch of announcements. They just dropped they dick on everybody. They just did. They just gave the whole shit. 
We're going to get into it shortly, but let me finish this real quick. Like I said, this goes out to you specifically, Jerome, and anybody else who I wrote that article to. Some guy even responded and said I was gaslighting him. No, I just asked you to ask yourself a question. That's it. Critical thinking, people. That's it. Think about it. I cannot believe how hot takey all of you people have become. It's crazy. No patience. It is incredible how there is no patience for this at all. We went from getting content to 2020, pandemic, nothing. And then 2021 came, they threw a lot at us. They did. They absolutely did. And I get it. I get it. But the thing that you people got to understand, starting with you, Jerome, half man, half a season. The thing you got to understand for a fact is that you have changed because we all have changed. Three years since Endgame, guys. Three years. We're all a little older. We're all a little different. We evolve. We change. I'm not telling you how to do stuff. I'm just asking you to ask yourself a question. Is it them or is it you? And with that, I bring in the super producer, Jake Christie. He's in the house right here. Jake, how are you, man? I'm doing well, and I love how you did that rant, and you didn't even explain what has changed. You didn't actually say the thing that's changed. That made, I know that most people who are listening already know, but I do just love that you just kept saying, like, now I'm right. It's like, yeah, you're right because they announced stuff, but I do just love that you just said three well, minutes. I'm, I'm, well, minutes hold on. I, well, this I is know. the thing. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I did, I, I did a rant, and we have to get into this stuff, but I want to be inclusive and get my guys in it. So then of we course. can fully, we can completely of talk course, about of course. it. I just, I enjoyed it completely. And you said you're going to talk your shit and you, I, objectively, if PolitiFact would have put their guys on it, you did talk your shit. So yes, yes. And and we're not only joined by Jake Christie. We got Dalbin Osorio, Murphy's Multiverse, our, our guy, our pal, our friend is in the house. Dalbin, how are you, man? I couldn't imagine two better dudes to, you know, celebrate this with. Also, AC, I will tell you that, uh. It's fitting that as The Rock makes his debut in Hall H, that you kick this thing off with something that is as apropos as to the you know the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. No, so, you know you. this is this is the thing, man. Somebody had to say it, and that's the reason why I wrote that thing a couple weeks ago because I found I find these conversations so stupid. Nobody is thinking about anything. Nobody is thinking. Period. Everybody's just saying stuff. So, like, I get that Thor wasn't didn't live up to your imagination. I get that Doctor Strange may have not lived up to your imagination. But it's like, oh, they trained us to watch it. Wait, no. no stop talking about the training. You're not a monkey. <laughs> You're a human being. You should be smart. Honestly, no, shut- AC, AC yeah, this well- and the thing we did with Hunter that is yet to be released it's just, Jerome was right. You need to do every single podcast after having drank a strawberry. Like, there's just no question. Like, I, I just can't. It's just, it's just so much better. Like, I, I love you the way you normally are. But just, like, talk your shit AC is definitely the best AC. You know what I mean? And I love all of I love all variants. But talk your shit AC is the best one. And and and, and the last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to give a big shout out to Cecilia in the Discord. Because I was going off the other day. And she was like, listen, I get you. You like a real dad. 
Yeah, and, and the hashtag is washed agenda. And one of the principles of washed agenda is you be trying to say stuff and, and these people don't want to be listening to you, even though you're just trying to give them game. That's all. That's all I'm doing. I'm trying to give you game. I'm coming in with with information. I'm coming here with facts, but not nah, people ain't trying to listen. But nonetheless, forget about that. Marvel Studios just did the thing. They just did the thing. What the thing that you ask? They announced when Phase Four will end. That is Wakanda Forever. They gave us Phase Five. All of Phase Five. They gave us Phase Six. All of Phase Six. Calling it the Multiverse Saga. Everything. I mean, they didn't really give us all of Phase Six, but point well, taken. Uh, yeah, point taken. <laughs> they they gave us a whole bunch of stuff, and it's it's pretty. It's interesting to see where we start exactly, but let's start. Let's start simplistically, um, and let's start emotionally with the thing that we just saw before we came on here. The first teaser of Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther sequel. Listen, obviously, I will start this and say that a lot has been my mind. A lot has been on my mind regarding Chadwick Boseman um, emotionally because of not only his impact on the Marvel universe, but just his impact as a human being. That loss has been felt. I said it earlier today, I do not envy Ryan Coogler for what he has had to do. Um, the stuff around the movie, you could talk about Letitia Wright, you could talk about everything that goes along with that movie, the plot and changing write-ups and all this other stuff. There's a lot happening there. But the movie comes out November 11th. We got a teaser, and honestly... It was very emotional. If I had not been drinking this this strawberryita, I would have cried already, and it would have been a thing. But um, I want to throw this to through to Jake first. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The the we got we got the man, the myth, the legend in the building. Howard Bryan is What's here. Up, boys? What what's up, Howard? How are you, sir? I am good. You're good. good. So. Yes, Howard, as as before you came on, I was just talking about Wakanda Forever, uh, the teaser that came out, uh, incredibly emotional. Oh, you have not watched it yet? Okay. No, I just got the text from you like a second ago. So, you know what, Howard? I'm going to let the guys respond, and I will let you watch the teaser, and we will come back to you. So, I will start with Dalbeen. Dalbeen, you saw this teaser. It was incredibly emotional. Uh, give me your thoughts and how you're feeling. Well, so if I knew that the secret to not crying was a strawberry, I would have drank that before I, before I watched it. <laughs> if I knew that that was the, the secret, man. Um, AC and I are the opposite there, by the way. One strawberry yeah. in me, I'm crying at commercials. Yeah, yeah. See, exactly, right? Like, like they hit you right in the emotional gland, if you will. Um, I think that by far it is Marvel's best trailer in a really long time. Um, I think that you you hit it on the you hit it on the head when you said that you don't envy Ryan Coogler's mission ahead, and I, I do agree with that. I think that I also don't envy what this cast is going to have to what this cast has undertaken filming this movie without Chadwick Boseman. Uh, you know, a character in Shala who was set to play such an integral role in Marvel going forward, right? And here it is. You know, you you lose him, and you have to tell this story. I think. Going from Bob Marley to Kendrick, 
was probably some of the just most creative use of music that I've seen in a Marvel trailer ever. Um, you know, the the base of, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, you can feel me, you can feel me, it's going to be all right. I thought that was dope. I thought the first look at Namor was fire. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah I, thought, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought that was fire. I also, I also, so two things stood out to me that I think are kind of seared in my brain and are things that I think I'm going to remember long after, you know, I see the movie even. And, you know, so I think it's one, there's a shot, an underwater shot of someone who is very clearly pregnant, rubbing their belly underwater. Okay. That stands yeah. out to me. Right. And the queen, Angela Bassett, one of the, one yes. of, I think the most criminally underrated actresses of our generation right. saying I have lost everything as it yes. overlays to a picture of Ch- a mural of Chadwick Boseman. That's the part that hit me. That's yeah. the part that got me because I think yeah. that that's a very real line. I don't think that I don't think she had to be told how to deliver that line, you know. And and I think I think it is one of the most beautiful trailers Marvel has shown. I think to your point, AC, when you started your rant, I think the first part of you know Marvel's appearance here at Hall H was them you know, putting their dick on the table, right? Yes. I think the Wakanda trailer is them putting many dicks on the table. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say something more sensitive. I thought you'd be like, and this was them putting the heart on the table. But no, okay. (laughs) Many dicks, many dicks. Um, Because I think you can't go from... You, yeah. you drop the high evolutionary, you get a first look at him. You Kang, Jonathan Majors coming out there, will be conquering, right? And then you mm-hmm. end with this. I think Marvel, you know, delivered on all fronts. And it was a trailer that I was absolutely blown away by. Uh, unbelievable stuff, man. Jake, um, give me your first impressions. Wakanda Forever teaser. What What are your thoughts? I, I think what was really noticeable about it and really great was um, that it just... Ryan Coogler, I think that what I think is underrated about Black Panther is Ryan Coogler has such a visual sense of what Wakanda looks like and what the movie looks like. It just it doesn't look like every other Marvel movie necessarily. It's yeah. not like he uses like some crazy. It doesn't have a crazy style. It just is so thought out in the production design. So good. Like it's not an accident that. Black Panther one costume design like that wasn't a you know throw off thing like there, and I think that just seeing that again and seeing the crispness of it in that right. I really like that a lot of this stuff too felt tactile it didn't feel like there was a bunch of CGI obviously there were but it didn't feel like it was loaded with crazy visual effects in the trailer because I think the thing that Black Panther has the strength it has is its characters and ha- having Angela Bassett basically be the character with the most lines in it uh, I mean sorry Ramona be the character with the most lines I think really right. was it set the table for how they're going to deal with the loss of T'Challa because um, not that I ever thought they would, but like the thing you don't want to do is do a movie where it's like the first 20 minutes is we lost T'Challa and then the rest of the movie is something else. Clearly, I think that the loss of T'Challa is going to be weaving, woven throughout the entire plot and it is something that's weighing on every character at all times. And I think that, you know, without making the trailer just about that, it's not just... You yeah. know, this is all a memory of Chadwick because that's not one that kind of takes away the element of seeing the movie. And because I don't think they're going to give away exactly how they, you know, kill off T'Challa in this universe until the movie itself. But it also like introduces you to, you know, Namor, Namor. I still have not gotten a good answer on how that's pronounced. Howard uh, and all the underwater people. <laughs> um, as uh, as my favorite, one of my favorite film critics, David Sim, said, uh, what do the people of Wakanda have a problem with the Navi? I thought that was very funny. 
Um, but I thought, yeah, this trailer just made me really, it made me emotional and also very excited because this is a movie that obviously there've been a lot of questions about. It was notable that there hasn't been a trailer yet. So um, yeah, I'm really yes. excited. Yes, yes, for sure. And Howard Bryant, uh, give us your thoughts, uh, Wakanda Forever, everything that you're thinking, everything that you're feeling, man. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a there's a lot happening when it comes to the future of that franchise. Ever since Chadwick Boseman passed you, you can go back to even questioning the decision that we're not going to reprise this character. Um, that, to me, I thought that was a totally emotional choice and not a smart one. I didn't love that choice at all. Not that it was to be unkind or unfeeling, but think of what's happening. You know, you've essentially decided that this character will no longer exist in the universe, which is a, is a huge blow. Um, you don't, you haven't done that with a James Bond character. And so I right. thought that was a pretty remarkable, extraordinary uh, decision. And I also wasn't sure that I loved that decision because I thought that it was going to negatively affect that franchise, um, depending on what was going to happen to it. And 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 I think that the the Black Panther character unfortunately carries a certain burden that the other characters that the other franchises don't carry. And that is, is that the movie has to hold together with the Marvel standard like the rest of them. But the other thing it's got to be is it's got to be it's got to be black and authentic enough and 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 strong enough that it passes that sort of muster, which isn't really fair to the other, you know, to the actual movie making. Um, I didn't really, you know, I, I was thinking in looking at this trailer, the thing that gets me the most excited about it is a Submariner. Um, I've been waiting for the Submariner, I've been waiting to see when they were going to bring him in and how he was going to be brought in and if he was going to be brought in without the Fantastic Four and where, you know, where that character actually fits and how they were going to update him as well. Um, so that was exciting to me. And when you look at, there's essentially like three or four characters. If you go into the sort of the history of Marvel that have circled each other and we've all sort of been waiting to see them on screen together, Daredevil, Submariner, Spider-Man and Black Panther, right? They've all yes. sort of crisscrossed each other for years. And so it was a little bittersweet to know that, that Prince Namor is going to be there but T'Challa is not going to be there. So I'm interested right. in how they tie all this together. And absolutely, there is a, um, the first thing I saw in there too was, um, is there some like underwater Lamaze class going on in there? I was like, <laughs> we're, we, we are being, you know, you know there's, there's some, some water birthing going on there. We are absolutely being set up for maybe the return of that character at some yes. point that T'Challa is coming back. Um, in in some way, so I was excited for it. I'm excited for it. Of course, you know me. I'm most excited for Daredevil: Born Again, but we can get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, we, we, but yeah, we most I, certainly will. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm I, I am excited about um, Wakanda Forever. Um, I am cautiously optimistic that the expectations aren't going to make it so impossible. Like that movie had to be. It was a phenomenon when it, when, when the first one came out. It, it had to be everything to all people. And it was an extremely, extremely high bar. And I'm hoping that this one, the expectations are much, much lower, that it can simply be yeah. um, a part of the, of the MCU. 
For sure, for sure. Also, I, I do have to say we have another guest in the building for the first time ever on Marvel Cinematic University, El Jefe of Murphy's Multiverse, the man, the creator of it, Charles Murphy. It is Murphy. him. I, it, I was thinking when it was like, wait a minute, I said, did somebody say Charles? It, it is him. It's, it's me. I'm here. It is I'm him. So, it is he. I, I'm so happy that you guys asked to have me on. Thank you. Yes, yes, Charles. A, a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Wakanda Forever. Give me your thoughts on on the teaser and everything that's been kind of encompassing this movie for the last couple of years. Are you ready for this? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, wow. I, you haven't I, watched the teaser? I was so busy. I was so busy writing and coordinating. And then you sent me the text and said, like, hey, do you want to hop on? I have not seen it at all. The only thing I've seen is Namor's back. <laughs> that's and what an that, impressive that, back it is oh he's jacked right like he looks so, so good, good. <laughs> so um all right but fortunately fortunately yeah. i know everything that goes on in the movie uh so so i have like a, i have a decent idea of like of where it goes um but just to and i won't come back to it but just the day in general just incredible, right? Like, what are what are we what are we doing here? What what the hell just happened? In what fifteen to twenty minutes, Kevin Feige just just went off the rails. Uh, <laughs> our our chat, our Slack chat at, at Murphy's Multiverse was just pure chaos. Uh, we had no idea. Like we we were, and I knew. Like I had a guy who said, like, "Hey, this is this is coming. This is coming. This is coming." And then stuff was just in addition to, in addition to, in addition to, and it came so fast. Um, but yeah, what a, what a day for, for Marvel studios fans. But, um, so, so to the, to the black Panther stuff, um, and I'm listening to you guys talk here, just like the, the last five minutes, um, they have Ryan Coogler, who I think the, the first time I saw Ryan Coogler speak, I think was at a, I don't know if it was a USC film school commencement or, uh, I want to say it was something like that, like a film school commencement. And I listened to the, to the guy talk with a passion that is just really unequaled for filmmaking. Right. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't know. And if you can't, I could probably dig it up, but it was before he was brought on for Marvel studios. And, and I can only say it's like, it was reminiscent of just a few of like the absolute masters of Hollywood over the last, you know, 40, 50 years the passion he had for filmmaking. Um, and, and I know that when he, when he sat down with Marvel studios um, to, to create black Panther, he sort of created something on par with like the George Lucas Bible of star Wars. Okay. So, so when we're seeing um, Wakanda forever, I know that there were some big changes after, after Chadwick's passing, but I still feel like this is a big part of, uh, or I'm sorry, a big part of this movie is is brought forward from that. And I think you're going to see, um, if you think about like the cold open to Black Panther, where they where they talk about, you know, the the vibranium coming from space and, yeah. and, and, and that whole, that just amazing opening scene of, of Black Panther, that same attention to detail, that same development is going to be given to um to what's not called atlantis in the mcu it's like tell i think it's telecone is what it's called in the, in the mcu is what they're calling that that hidden city 
and he's given all the same attention to detail to it. So you see like the Jaguar God and, and you're going to see these people in their culture developed just the same way that they developed Wakanda. And it's just setting up a, a, a fascinating battle between these two very similar cultures who have have the same gift given to them from the sky of, of vibranium but one had and they've both chosen to be hidden right but but in in very different ways have been revealed to the public so whereas t'challa wanted uh wakanda to be revealed at the end of black panther namor is not so happy about uh the the revelation of of his hidden city um and I just think that that alone sets up for just a, a crazy, great movie. And, um, and and the the reverence and the attention to Chadwick's passing is there. It, it's it's going to be a big part of the movie. And in the same token, they have to move on from it, too, so they can continue mm-hmm. to tell stories. Um, and I think that they've done that in in a great way. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch the trailer, much less the movie, but... the the, the thing you mentioned about him having a a george lucas like bible is interesting to me and i think that that's something that is really useful especially in situations where there is such a tragedy like chadwick's passing that like i've heard having a good bible for your world is like the difference between filming on a multicam set and an actual full in an actual location and that like if you have to turn the camera 300, uh, 180 degrees, if you're on a mm-hmm. multicam site where you only build out what you need to see, you won't have another wall there, so you can't do that. Yeah. But if you have built out all the walls, even the ones you haven't seen before, if you have to make an adjustment, you, if you point the camera somewhere else, there will be all the details you need. And I think yeah. that that's something that, like, that's why I've had confidence in his ability to adjust because he knows the world beyond just the specific story he wanted yeah. to tell. And that allows yeah. you to fill out the rest of it without having to rebuild everything from scratch. No, that's that's a great point. And I mean, I mean, no one could have been prepared for for that to happen and nor should they have been. But the 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 just the the thought in that went into he didn't he didn't just set up to make a movie. He, he set up to make a world to build a, an entire world. Right. And in the way that he wanted it to to appear on screen. And I mean, they're treating Ironheart as a Black Panther spinoff. We know there's an Okoye spinoff, which we on our site we're calling it Midnight Angels. We don't know if that's what it's going to be called or not. Um, and I know that it's been spoiled, but I, I don't also know that not everybody who listens to every podcast has been spoiled. So, so like we know that he has Ryan Coogler has uh, created a very interesting segue from the end of Black Panther two to the the, the Okoye spinoff into Black Panther 3, he's been so careful to make this transition from, from Chadwick to whatever comes next, um, mm-hmm. as great as it can be. I mean, it's just a terrible situation. Like there, I get, so I get very yeah. frustrated with, with, uh, the online reaction to it. Cause like, what do you want? What do you, what do people want to have happen when someone that young passes away? Like there's, there's just no great way to handle this. And people are just so very frustrating. I mean, but but he's no patience. Who do you trust rather than Ryan Coogler to make the decision? Yeah. And yeah. I know that he's he's had the heaviest hand in the decision making and it's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I trust the guy completely. I, I was sold on him about a minute and a half into listening to him talk. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. This is the this guy needs to be given 
the keys to whatever corner of the universe he he wants to to have and and he's been given it and i and i can't wait to see what he does next and i mean i'm i am i'm 45 years old i've read comics since i was old enough to read and namor is one of my absolute favorites and i am very excited to see the the very dickish anti-hero namor hit the screen <laughs> um and I and I'm very, from what I know, I'm I'm very excited about the majority of what he does on screen. I'm I'm a little I'm a little iffy on the, on some things, but I'm very excited about the majority of what we're going to get out of him. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that work there too. Um, number one, absolutely, when you're looking at what happened with Chadwick Boseman, you need time. You, you can't do this without time. I mean, imagine if the decision was like, oh, show goes on, show, you know, the show oh. goes on and we're just going to go find another. You're not going to do that. I mean, that character was so synonymous with mm -hmm. that actor. The so backlash great. would have been, it would have been 50 times worse. And who would want to be that actor yeah. to, fo to follow that? You can't follow that. And, and to Charles's point about creating the universe, it's absolutely true that what was really special about what Ryan Coogler was doing with the Black Panther character was also what he was doing with this hidden universe with with wakanda this hidden land and it had to be built from scratch because it is so mythical and it hasn't ever been on screen before so there was no real template so it belonged to him in a lot of ways the type of movie making that we have today the way we deal with villains in the modern in, in this modern era where villains aren't just villains where they have to be explained mm -hmm. i have always hated this <laughs> I've completely hated this because I just like bad guys to be bad guys. I don't need their backstory. I don't need to know what made you, you. And however, you that all goes out the window with the Submariner. Because that <laughs> individual character, that dude's got a grievance. You know, and <laughs> what you can, the possibilities with that character, especially if you're taking sustainability and climate change and everything and you could do some serious storytelling there i mean oh. serious storytelling with him what what a time for that character to come to the screen like 100 percent. one of the oldest comic book characters um but my, my oldest daughter who's going to to university of michigan in the fall is going to be a biologist and an environmental scientist mm -hmm. and and we have these conversations i i'm, I'm a science teacher and we have these conversations all the time about, about environment and sustainability um, and these just this, the wild shit that's going on in the world. Do you guys swear on your podcast? I'm sorry. We swear on ours all the time. <laughs> Earlier, Dalbeen said that uh, Kevin Feige put multiple dicks on the table. So I'm saying yes. <laughs> I think things are all right there. I think you're in good shape. The precedent has been set. We, we I said the same at the start. <laughs> I, 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 that's, not, I, that's a pretty good one. Um, but these wild events that happen all over – uh, you know, all over the, the earth at this time. Like it, I saw this crazy graphic on Twitter last week where it showed the number of events that are plus one or minus one from the average temperatures on the earth. And, and, and when they rotated it so that you, so it was, you were facing it, right. But when they rotated it, so you could see it up and down, it just turned into a, essentially a, a, a cylinder that widened up to just an absolutely ridiculous degree um, of, of temperature events. Right. So we're, we're looking at like, an increased amount of, of all these things. So, so you take this character who's from the oceans and I, I don't even know which way you want to take it. Like it, 
in in ten years, Namor could just be living underwater in Miami for crying out loud, right? Like that. That's where we're <laughs> like Miami's not going to exist by twenty thirty. It's it's going to be gone. Uh, so, like no, that's that's right. That's the right. number and, of places you can take the character with in the current real world environment are fascinating. Plus, you get just the one of the biggest jerks right in the history of Marvel comics, and and. Is he a villain? Is he wrong for feeling exactly. the way that he feels? That's right. He's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I don't think as a young kid when I read, I was just, I was like, man, the dude's jacked and he wears a Speedo and he has wings on his feet. He's pretty cool. But like <laughs> when I got older um, and, and and really was able to like reread some stuff and, and like when Hickman got a hold of the character, like he really took, a, Hickman's great at that, right? Like he'll take characters who have a life It'll give him a whole new life, right? He did that with Namor. He did that with Molecule Man. He did it with Apocalypse. Um, but he, you know, this this is a character for the times. And uh, as much as I wish that we'd have seen him in Iron Man 2, man, now is the time for this guy. And, and in this in this movie, in this situation where he's entered, the way he enters the MCU, it's it's really it's really great. Well, and then you go and get Tanner Ward. Yeah, go right? ahead, Dalvin. Well, that's what I was gonna say, and then and then you cast a guy like Tanak, who again, if you haven't seen Narcos, right? Like this, he's essentially playing Namor in, in Narcos. <laughs> it's essentially what he is, right? Like it's a, just an absolute dick who has a legitimate grievance, just has a legitimate grievance. And I think when you rope in Ironheart and Riri Williams into that conflict, right? Like so, now you rope her into this conflict with these two nations that just are led by two very very distinct. Yeah. individuals right and and i would have loved to see chadwick and 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 tanak ag- yeah. across the screen from each other because oh, i thought that would have been that, that would have been <laughs> yeah. amazing that would have been some some just absolute acting and that's but i think the the in this phase what we've seen right is like we've seen all these worlds that have been pushed out by this incessant colonizing right like this incessant colonizing we've seen these worlds pushed into the shadows that are now resurfacing these dimensions are now resurfacing and at the front of it are a ton of black and brown folks <laughs> that's, what, that's what's at the right. front of it and i love that and i love that because i think it does turn the mcu on its head a little bit um you know oh. especially as we enter four, phase four five and six yeah, just- for sure for sure um wakanda forever is gonna be it's going to be some something special to a lot of people. It like just not only emotionally but overall as we get closer to this movie this show we'll talk a lot more about it. But there's so many other things to get to because so many other things happened in this damn uh Kevin Feige drop. So mm-hmm. we can get to the 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 Kang and Avengers stuff a little bit later, but I think the thing that sticks out especially to old school people like uh howard and charles specifically here i think the one thing like besides the avengers stuff old school (laughs) oh hold on charles let me let me let me get into it because don't worry i'm with you guys hashtag washed agenda is charles all he talks about i don't know about in your slack all he talks about in text messages on this podcast is how fucking old he thinks he is when he is it's important to note now jerome is not here tonight AC is not the oldest member of this podcast. He is in his mid-30s, and he cannot shut up about how old he is. He talks about, he watches Only Murders in the Building and talks about how much you relate to Steve Martin and Martin Short. Men in their 70s. In their 70s. <laughs> I'm the oldest guy on this, I'm the oldest guy no. here. 
And AC would be like, already. Howard, you don't know what this back pain's like. <laughs> like oh, I know what the back pain is like. <laughs> but Although AC yeah. was cooking in the sun this week, so I got to give him some, cut him some slack. He was thinking nah, the man, in Turkey this week. It, it, it was hard out here, but I think the thing that I wanted to mention. <laughs> it was hard out here. Come it's on. It's okay. <laughs> no, no worries, man. But the thing that I wanted to mention that had to be mentioned was not only that we get the announcement that Daredevil's coming back in 2024, yeah. not only Charlie Cox in the yellow suit um, mm. and and Vincent D'Onofrio back as the kingpin, but the fact that this series is an 18-episode series was the shocker. Um, Charles, I'm going to throw it to you Huge. first because... Yeah. One of the the biggest complaints and critiques of Phase 4 and the TV shows on Disney Plus is the fact that a lot of these series are six episodes and it feels like they are kind of caught in between um, structure problems and things either ending too quickly or just not knowing where the the show necessarily is going and kind of getting that structure down. What does an 18-episode series specifically with this character... Uh, mean to you so first off 60 percent of us on this podcast have the same haircut <laughs> secondly my my first thought well so I'll, I'll tell you guys this at about oh no about 9 30 a.m et today i got the news that daredevil born again was going to be announced tonight okay I knew that we, we, we knew there was a Daredevil series coming. The trades broke that a while ago. I found out it was called Born Again. Um, I I know. Oof, I got I got lit up yesterday. Um, by PR, uh, yeah. so I'm gonna be very careful with what I say next. Yes, um, of course. But but I know that another Marvel Studio series is directly tying into the events of the daredevil series okay mm-hmm. um and we can talk about that after we're done here if you guys want but the mm-hmm. whole idea so I, i'm not i'm not surprised at all that that vincent d'onofrio is back for it but the whole idea that this is 18 episodes speaks to me about a couple of things and i'm mm-hmm. also going to tiptoe around this a little bit but there have been very few Marvel Studios TV productions that have gone smoothly. Very few. Mm-hmm. Um, like none. So it's not surprising, though, because if you think about what they've done, they've gone from like three productions a year to seven or ten, mm-hmm. if you count the animated stuff. Um, and so Kevin Feige is very hands-on, as you guys are, are aware, and he likes to be there for everything. But you can't when when you go from three to ten, right? Like it's just impossible. Like logistically, it's it's absolutely impossible. So he was very excited to have Sam Raimi on board for Multiverse of Madness. Yep. And I promise, I promise, this is all going someplace. So yes, what he learned, what Kevin Feige learned from Multiverse of Madness was, if I can bring on a true master, who can handle all aspects of production, mm-hmm. which is is exactly what you get when you get a guy like Sam Raimi. My workload is reduced. My stress load is reduced. I can put my attention where it might otherwise need to be, which is essentially the TV stuff. Because they're they're look at they're multiple directors, right? Like multiple writers. It's it's a whole different ballgame, and you cannot you cannot continue 
to pretend that they're just six hour films. It's just, yeah. you can't do that. Charles, you're, you, you cannot, AC can tell you, you are, might as well be playing hymns for me. You were saying everything I've said for the last year. I'll continue. Well, I mean, we're the same person. So. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I'm just doing another voice. <laughs> I don't even have any other voices. Um, I have a, I have a really bad Mario voice that my son, my five month old son thinks is hilarious, but like Mario, you know, Mario Kart Mario, he thinks that's great, but it's not appropriate I mean, here. He's a good audience though. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> so, so what this means to me is that two, really two things. Charlie Cox is busy as hell, as we all know. Yeah. Why? Well, they announced the Daredevil thing. Why wasn't Charlie Cox there tonight? Because he's in Ireland filming a show. Okay. Will he be at D23? I don't know. Maybe. But right now, it's hard for them to get him there. When they can get him there, they're going to shoot the hell out of him. They're going to get everything they can out of him. Are these going to be 18 one-hour-long episodes? Probably not. But does this represent an evolution of Marvel's ideas of what they can do? I think absolutely. Like, ask yourself this question. You, you own your Disney. You own your own streaming service. Why are you bound to a runtime or an episode length for a series? You own the damn service. Why do you think it only needs to be six episodes? Why do you think they need to be 45 minutes long? They can be whatever you need them to be to tell the story. They should be whatever you need them to be to tell the story. Marvel's had many problems trying to cram everything into these runtimes and these and these episode counts. This is fantastic. So this 18 episode thing, it might actually mean two seasons for all we know. It might mean one yeah. one season of of shorter things. Look, I mean, look at how fast things change. Like we used to think Agatha was called House of Harkness. We used to think, you know, whatever movie was coming out on every day. But this represents to me a learning, a teach that they've they've taken hold of a teachable moment. They've accepted that there's something they can figure out. And I don't think it's it's any coincidence that Miss Marvel was the best of the series they've made, right? And and, and it was the most. It had the best continuity from beginning to end. Yeah. It felt cleanest, right? Yes. yes. And, and like, here we go. We're going to get She-Hulk next. That's less affected by by COVID. And I, I just think they're just going to continue to get better. And I get it. Like, I've been kind of bummed by some of this stuff they've done, too. Every, we all have, right? Yeah. But they're never yeah, going to hit 100% of the time. Of course not. And, and what it represents to me, the 18 episodes, and if it's two seasons, this whole point's moot. And... Charles, if you know have any exclusive scoops that I, make I really don't. Idiot, that, don't, that caught me way off guard. Honest to God, that, okay. that was a complete so, surprise to me. The complaint I've had with a lot of the Marvel shows is that I feel like if you have all these movies, if you're doing movies and you're going to have shows too, take advantage of the things that are unique to the medium of television. Don't just tell yeah. a movie that is split in six segments because that always is bad. And I think that that's Crash. I think it's happened throughout all of Hollywood as basically Hollywood has stopped making 10 to 40 million dollar movies. People who would normally make those movies now put them on television and they stretch them out and they're bad. And so what I would like to see is if it's let's say it's an 18 episode season, you can do a thing that television mm -hmm. used to do all the time where you have you probably have an overarching kingpin story. But every episode you have side things where Daredevil's fighting this person or this person and you make yeah. a TV show work like a TV show. You don't do a Daredevil movie that just so happens to be broken into other parts. Yeah. And I think that that is I think that so much of the complaints about the TV series have been whether people know it or not is that like 
people are holding each episode to the standard they would a movie because they're kind. The shows are kind of teach telling you to view them as one complete story as opposed yeah. to episodes in a season. Like if you talk about a show that you love from back in the day, no one is like. Uh, they don't like season three of The Office because, like, episode 10 <laughs> is bad. They just don't like that episode, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. as someone who loves television, went to school to write television, is not using that degree that much, I just <laughs> – I hate I hate the way that it's kind of bastardized now, now that movies are not being made as much, that I just – I want them to actually make a cool Daredevil TV show and put the money into it and really make it like, yeah, every episode, like I said, there's a Wilson Fisk, maybe a check-in. But he might beat up some smaller baddies and – have stories with Foggy or whatever. Like I, I'm excited for that idea, and I hope that that's what happens. Yes. Yeah. I would, yes. Absolutely. I would add Go ahead, Howard. Yeah, and I, I think that the thing that hit me about this is that you know, to to both of those points is you've got an opportunity to say something through this character and through these stories because let's face it, as much as we're talking about the Submariner and sustainability. Wilson Fisk is Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously. I mean, they <laughs> when they had him when Anne Nascenti was running the show and she in the comic book and and he bought WFXT. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is all you you can take a story arc and you can essentially tell a story of what this era has been, and through that individual character. And I think that the other thing that you've got here too is one of the complaints that we've heard so much about Phase 4 so far has been the lack of continuity. Like, okay, what is this and where is where is it going? If yeah. you have a guy like Vincent D'Onofrio, he gives you an anchor. Mm-hmm. You're starting a, to get recognizable faces. What a talent, and, right? Exactly. It's worth you noting know. that Dalbin once called him on this podcast, Donofrio. He Dominicanized his name, and I think about him almost every day. And, 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 and let me tell you, I'm not mad about that at all. I'm very ecstatic <laughs> that I did that. I love that you did that. You, were, you said Donofrio. Yeah, because right. then he shows up dressed just like a Dominican uncle with the Hawaiian mm. shirt and that damn hat, man. You're right, though. You're right, though. <laughs> Now the, the Dominican uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the best description ever. Continue, yeah. Howard. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just saying that. Um, so, in addition to that, you've got, and I, I love the idea. Um, I absolutely love the idea of having eighteen episodes where you can actually start to tell the story of a city, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Which is essentially a lot of what Daredevil is. And when we were talking about what was happening with so many of these stories where they were, you know, we had this conversation whenever I'm on, we always talk about the difference between Ditko Marvel and Kirby Marvel and Marvel. The movies are completely Kirby Marvel. It's gone way. I'm just, you know, when I was watching Thor, I'm like, okay, when are we just going to, could somebody just show me Galactus and let's get this over with? Can we like just do that? <laughs> and we've gotten away from the street, yes. the, the street level characters. 18 episodes says we are now committing back to the street level episode, to street level characters. The the level of commitment that the one above all has to Charlie Cox is insane. When mm. when people who are fans of what I'll I'll continue to call non MCU television until the day I die, I don't care. But when 
when they talk mm-hmm. about the Netflix stuff, the Agents of Shield stuff, and they don't think that that Marvel's listening. I mean, they they have to just flat out be stupid. Mm-hmm. Why is Charlie Cox back? Because mm-hmm. Kevin Feige knows that he is straight money. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think they'll ever address whether the Netflix stuff is canon or not. It mm-hmm. it does not behoove them in any way to say right, the Netflix stuff is canon. What they can do is they can take the parts they like. They can leave the stuff out they don't like. But he knows that people love Charlie Cox. You well, know, you got to bring Von D. Curtis Hall back from the undead because Ben oh Urich has to exist somewhere. <laughs> so I hope that he's great. I saw you got to bring him back. He's, he's economically viable. Hack, Falling down. Hack my hack my uh, my in, my. What do we? What do Charles and I talk on Telegram? Hack my Telegram with Charles and how many times we've talked about Vondi coming back and where the hell is Vondi and why is he not back right? now and that <laughs> character that character is as responsible for me becoming a journalist as anything oh wow you know what i mean i mean Charles, oh, you know, I, I don't know if you know this but howard howard you own what is it one through what daredevils uh, i own daredevil volume one yeah all so of it. he's he's wow. an og with the daredevil yeah one to three eighty plus ten annuals you are gonna what we're gonna do is you guys you're gonna fight charles villanueva's dad here's 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 the big reveal for anyone that listens and like probably 0.001 percent even know who the hell i am charles villanueva and i have been partners for nearly a decade charles dad is the same age as i am oh wow (laughs) (laughs) he's just a little bit older than me so charles would be like all you old bastards and all your all your single issues that you collect and like Charles won't Charles doesn't buy single issue comics. Like he'll just get a, a trade here, but he'll always be like, Oh, I was reading through my dad's comics and I'm looking at my stack of boxes over here. That's approaching seven feet tall in my basement. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That sounds good. He's like, you guys collect all this shit. I don't collect that stuff. So, but Charles's dad. So Charles is uh, in the Philippines. Charles's dad lives obviously also in the Philippines. Um, has probably more single issues than than I do, which is wild. Um, because at, at a fairly early age, my my I I was my dad bought me a comic the day I was born. He bought me um, a comic literally the day I was born, which I did for my son when he was born earlier this year. I went out and bought. He was born on a Tuesday, and I went and bought him a comic. Um, and at a fairly early age, there was a, a comic shop by my house, and I went and started collecting single issues. But I I. As much as I live Daredevil, I'm nowhere near where you are on, on that one. <laughs> but now, you'll, you'll, have to go, you'll have to go toe-to-toe with Charles V's dad on that one. We've talked on the pod previously about the saga of getting number one. That was... Oh, uh, man. And you the know what? Earliest, uh, earliest Daredevil I have is 18. I know that I know that to be true. I, I went into, I believe it was in the mid-teens, I decided to go to the Daredevil backfill project. I was like, I'm going to get them all. And yep. the good folks at All About Comics in Phoenix, Arizona, they were fantastic. They were outstanding. And um, and finally, we were um, I was able to complete the quest. And I'm actually thinking about going out into Volume 2, which I've co- totally left alone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to go forward or whether I'm going to remain backwards and constantly 
improve the ep- and Im- improve the different issues that need improving. Like my daredevil number one is poor condition. Yeah. So the well, question is, over, but, but like I do the same thing. Like I'm I'm very partial to Fantastic Four, and I I am now in a phase of my life where I buy and sell comics so that I can eventually upgrade my Fantastic Four. Like I want Fantastic Four one. I want the first Watcher. I want the first Galactus, and I, I want them by the time I'm dead, which could be tomorrow at my existing age. Do you I have the first Black Panther? Do you have 52? I don't. I, I don't even have, like, I don't even, like, a 5.0 of 52 is so insane. Um, <laughs> I bet. It's just so nuts. But but I do, so I, I do have things right now, like, I have a 9.8 Fantastic Four Annual number 6, which is the first Annihilus and the first Franklin Richards. And that's a $22,000 comic. And and I would, I would rather <laughs> flip that, I would like to flip that for a better version of the first Galactus I have. I hope it's insured. (laughs) Well, it's insured and it's in a safe and it's sitting on a pallet. um, Is it? And and no one's getting anywhere near it anytime soon. Well, that's good. And and the reason why I say that, I'm I'm only, I'm I'm actually not joking because when I bought my house, the insurance company told me that I had to get a separate rider for my Daredevils. Yes. Because if if the house burns down tomorrow. They're not paying for it. They are giving you the value of a comic book. I said, wait a minute, my 181 is worth $200. They're like, they'll give but you dollars you the, the 99 cents it was bought. Exactly. They will time, give you the, yeah. they will, they will replace it with the price of a yep. comic unless you have an appraised separate rider for your comics. Yep. No, we have a, we have a six foot tall safe with all the, uh, all the biggies stashed away. Fireproof. Yeah. So I ha- um, I, I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but I no, do. No, no, no. Yeah, we're just going up, totally off track. No, we're going no, way no, off track. No, 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 let's get let's get this back on this, track because I do this have. This is the show. I, I do have. This is. I do have one last thing to say just, about. Yeah, of course. Ahead, so let Howard ahead. say. Yeah, let Howard go. I do have one last yes, thing to say yes. about the eighteen parter, and 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 that yes. is, as money as Charlie Cox has been, I had to warm up to him. Um, simply because of the storytelling that the, the, the daredevil storytelling is simply too violent and that the fight, the fight scenes were too long and that you couldn't possibly, I was like, this man's not going to survive four episodes. Um, the fighting (laughs) is simply just too intense. He's getting his ass kicked. I mean, he's literally getting the shit beat out of him. Terrible, right? He can't walk. (laughs) How's he going to show up? Oh, Matt, what happened to you? (laughs) Got this shit beat out of you again last night, right? Triple V's so, most most favorite picking point about that show is how a Daredevil has to limp away from every single fight and limp home every single fight. It, it, exactly. <laughs> and if it weren't for Rosario Dawson, whom I wish was at my house every time I got my ass beat, <laughs> um, right? I mean, he he wouldn't have been oh. able to survive. <laughs> Prop Senator Booker. Mad prop Senator Booker. Um, <laughs> you know, you stole, but I, just, on my I love the idea like, of I'm it. Make and a I was, Booker joke when I get back, and he already said it. Right when 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 AC sent me that Born Again, because let's face it, there are two stories that if yes. you're going to tell a Daredevil story, you have to tell. Yeah. You either tell Born Again or right. you tell when the Kingpin comes back, one seventy to one seventy two after Vanessa. You know when they. I don't know, off her, but she doesn't die, right? Those are the two stories with Bullseye and the whole thing. You have to do get those stories right. Obviously, I am certainly hoping that to to Jake's point, 
that you you know that you toss in a little bit of Punisher, you toss in some Wolverine, you toss in some different guys. You 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 create the full world, and I just have been I have been waiting for this for a really long time to get back to the street level, and it feels like when you add. Daredevil 18 episodes, you add Moon Knight to it, you add these other characters, you know, you add Submariner to it, you've got some street level, and the Lee Ditko, Gene Colan guys are starting to, you know, show themselves. Frank it, Miller, of it, course, it, as well. Right, right. And and honestly, like, to hear that, I, I mean, uh, you know, someone for me, especially Howard, we have these conversations all the time about where these things are going and how they're going to exist. I think the rigidities of the streaming service definitely did need a, a lift. So I'm happy that Charles talked about like everything that's, that seems to be going in a different direction now. And I'm just excited to see Daredevil. I'm excited. Like you mentioned Howard with the street stuff, that stuff for me, seeing Kingpin in his element, like right now I'm reading Devil's Reign. So like to just kind of like get back into that world and just generally to see the Kingpin be that corrupt son of a bitch that is just, just a, what you call it, just a difficult person to deal with at all times is just has me excited for sure. But, you know, as we continue on, there is just so many different announcements and we might as well go to the big one for big one for me. I think the one thing that I wanted to see uh, at Comic Con, and I, I wrote about it on the on the Murphy's Multiverse website when we did the team up. Um, I wanted to hear about Kang, the visual. I think about He Who Remains. I talk about it on the show all the time. The single most electrifying yeah. performance that we've seen. Yes, I sure do, Jake. You know this for a fact. I just talked about it the other day, and Jerome tried to tell me I was projecting. I know. I mean, God damn. After that? Anyway. Yes, I, I yes, yes. Refer to the first 10 minutes of this show as I got my shit off. But <laughs> Kang, we, 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 get, we get some, we, we get a visual. Uh, Jonathan Major shows up at Comic-Con. Quantum Mania. Um, the level of excitement. You hear Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and you all of a sudden are just like, that just raises your eyebrows and makes you go nuts. I'm delirious right now here in the title. Avengers Secret Wars. Um, people have been asking, where is this going? And my contention has always been, in Loki, they told you where this was going. This entire time, Loki told you what was going to happen. And for whatever reason, people were just wanted to put their head in the clouds and wanted to do something else with their time. I could not believe it. But hey, that's what people did. But we now know for sure, like they were telling you before, that we're getting Secret Wars, we're getting He Who Remains, and Kang, if you thought I was evil, wait till you meet my variants. Mm -hmm. um, Jake, I'm actually going to start with you here. So you get the Kang reveal in Quantum Mania, you get everything that comes with uh -huh. that. How are you feeling right now? I'm really excited about it, and I think that I've always agreed with you of it that they're setting up Secret Wars, um, and I'm I'm excited for that in particular because uh, Charles, definitely, my role on the podcast is that I never read a comic book in my life, and so I have no familiarity with the comic books. But <laughs> I obviously, having done the show for four and a half years, I obviously have spent a lot of time around people who read comic books, and 
in the same way that if you hang out with people who listen to a genre of music that you don't know and they'll talk about like the one band that no one talks about it's like you gotta listen to this you gotta listen to this Secret Wars has since Infinity War was like already established. It's like, but are they ever going to do Secret Wars? The Russo brothers said they come back for Secret Wars. I listen to people on podcasts say, I'm kind of done with the MCU, but I'd come back if they did Secret Wars. And so, I think that at least for me, people, I think there's a lot of people who are like me where they're kind of in the milieu of the MCU but don't have a lot of comic book background. And I like that they're doing Secret Wars because that is a thing that like, if you are online enough to pay attention to MCU stuff you have heard of Secret Wars. Even if you never read a Secret Wars comic in your life, it's kind of just like a thing that it felt like, at least after Infinity War, the vibe I got, and this is purely vibes, and so this is not factual, is people were saying either they do Galactus next or they do Secret Wars next. Those are the two things that people said were the next big thing. Obviously, there's nobody to know this, but I almost wonder if they weren't going to announce all of this, those two things now, but there's so much criticism of directionlessness, directionlessness, which I always thought was kind of bogus. Um, I thought that most people just had problems with the quality of the films, not the direction. But I think that they're like, okay, you think we're directionless? Whatever, we'll give you the next three years. Take it. And I'm glad that they did because I think that the MCU is more fun when you know where it's going, even if not every movie leads to it it's more fun when you can see something in the horizon you know like a drive is more fun when you know where you're going yes yeah, for agreed. sure and I, I would i would throw one other piece of that too which is yeah when you i don't know what the formula is obviously nobody really does but once you finished infinity war and once you finished end game you had to have some type of palate cleanse it's too big. Yeah. It was 15 years in the making, right? I mean, it was a, it's a huge, huge, massive, unprecedented accomplishment. And yeah. so I agree with you, Jake. I always felt like the, the issue that I had wasn't direction. It was, are these good, are these good yeah. programs? Is this good yes. stuff to watch? Does, is this capturing my attention? And and one of the things that I had, like, kind of, my son and I talk about this all the time was giving ourselves and giving the actors and giving the story some grace because when you began this journey, Robert Downey Jr. was really the only blue chipper in there. You had no idea Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and those guys were going to be what they became. Mm -hmm. So at some point you have to let this play out. And I think that the fear that I had was that, okay, they're just going to try to, they're going to try to run through that by getting Salma Hayek and getting like big superstar names. And that's supposed to, that's supposed to make us suddenly invested and it doesn't work that way. So I, you know, I just feel like you have to let this, you, it, it goes back to what we always talk about with films in general. If you trust the journey, you'll go on the journey. And the minute you lose trust, you're out of there. So do right. you trust where it's going? And I think yeah. today's announcements gave everybody hope, okay, we're going to trust this. It was a reminder, I felt. Like, it was just a reminder. Um, I had said at the top that I thought, for the most part, that the majority of people, and it's just generally uh, fandom, and Charles knows this. Charles has spoken to this online, actually. Is that Wait, I Charles feel like a problem with fandom? I've not... never heard that before. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, that's Sorry. that's just the thing. I feel nah, it's all good. I think just generally the critical thinking is just not being done enough. And I'm all and when I say critical thinking, I'm not talking about something that's complicated. I just feel like they are kind of telling you what's happening 
And people are just kind of choosing to ignore it. Now, I've mentioned the reasons why that is, because I think there's a lot more people at this fountain trying to get involved, trying to make a living out of this. So I think when you talk about criticizing the monolith, that they, that is the MCU, it's an easier thing to do than anything yeah. else. That plays a part in all of this, too. And I just think, again, our viewing habits as people, and this includes myself, too, have changed over the last few years. We went through a pandemic. Like, all of these things, like, changed how we view everything. So, like, when you go from no content in 2020 to them throwing everything at you last year and everything that's coming this year, yes, it is a it is a, a, a tilt, a tilt that you have to adjust to. And, yes, there are stories that, I, I mean, Thor, Love, and Thunder, I, I think, is the greatest example of a story that feels like it meanders. And you're not getting necessarily the connectivity or the, the tissue that you're normally used to. But at the same yeah. time, I think you got to recognize, and I think Feige spoke to it today, was that Phase 4 was, is, was and is the response to, like, what Howard said was, like, Infinity War and Endgame were an accomplishment of epic proportions. It's a, it's a, you can equate it to a big-time championship run, a dynasty per se, and now mm-hmm. you're kind of just, you're building back up. And those things take time. Now the time yeah, at some point has you're gonna changed. Go eight and eight. Right? Yeah, the time has changed because now you're adding in the TV shows. So now there are a portion of people who feel like when they're watching the TV shows, they're like, "Oh, do I really have to watch everything?" And these are more casual fans, I would say, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Do I have to really watch everything? Um, you get certain things where there are certain shows. I know like people, we talked about what if not exactly hitting the way that we wanted it to. And when you get that, that type of groaning and kind of complaining, it just kind of tends to build and build. And I thought Dr. Strange yeah. multiverse of madness is where I first like really noticed. It's like, Oh yeah. People are not viewing this the same at all because yes. I feel like that was a movie. Like personally, I feel like movies, Obviously, these things are subjective. People have opinions, and and it's all mm-hmm. good. But I found the commentary on it, the buzzwords that people use, were sounded so similar that it's almost like, man, you're really not doing the thinking. And when I mean the no, thinking I, is like yeah. when you're talking about incursions and the, like the stuff, you see the living tribunal smack dab right there. Mm-hmm. And 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 Jake, you, we have this discussion too about like whether it's whether it's the casual fans or the inside fans it's the inside fans doing the complaining too when it's right yes. there i'm telling yes. you it's I, right I, there I actually, too i actually would say now we could move on but i do actually want to make the distinction yeah, yeah, yeah. that we talked about last pod that i don't think i made the yeah. right distinction i think that the complaints about multiverse of madness were mostly from the hardcore fans whereas i think thor love and thunder had a lot of complaints from casual fans not i don't want to relitigate that but i just want to make that clarification because yes, 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 yes. I, I was listening back and i don't think i was clear there because like for well, example my mother who doesn't watch any of these movies happened to see multiverse of madness and she thought it was cool so like you know <laughs> i don't think no, his I casual think- fans had a problem so if I may, I think so. I think it's twofold. Yeah. I think I think because we saw this with Wandavision too, right? Folks have these expectations of how these stories need to play out, and when they mm-hmm. don't play out, then then they suddenly are like, "Oh my god, that mm-hmm. means it must be terrible," right? Like, yeah. like I'll be frank, man. Like I look, I loved Multiverse of Madness. I thought it was great. I loved No Way Home. I thought it was great. Shang Chi was great too. I think I so again three really really good movies. I thought that I thought just mm-hmm. you know did exactly what they were supposed to do. For every three of those. 
just like in phase one through three, right? You get a Thor: The Dark World, right? You get a. Yep. You know, I, I'm not a. I'm not a big Iron Man three person. I, Iron Man three did not do it for me. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, so, so, so it's not my thing, right? But like I'm like I think for every really really good Marvel movie, you do get one that maybe just doesn't hit, or you do get two that don't hit. I think where it gets frustrating though is the fans who are like. Well, you know, I expected the X-Men to show up in Multiverse of Madness. Well, why did you expect the X-Men to show up in Multiverse of Madness? Why would you do that? Oh, your head's so I, far up your ass. Right, exactly. Because, you know, you weren't prepared Basically. for Kevin Feige to drop all these dicks on the table. So now you're, you're mad at yourself. And so, like, or even, like, with Shang-Chi, they're like, oh, I thought they would have called him the Mandarin. Why did you think they would call him the Mandarin? Why would you think that? That's offensive. So, like, it's it's this, it's this very weird because, like, I see the discourse when Charles tweets out something or whatever, and I see it with you guys when you guys put out a new episode they're like oh well why haven't we seen wolverine yet it's like why would you have seen wolverine at this point like like at this point where where would you fit wolverine in and so i imagine for man right right and, hey and i wrote that story <laughs> charles i wrote that Right, it's like, but why are they not putting this major new character in a TV right. show that's not getting a million viewers an episode? Why don't they put or like when they're like, why don't they int- why don't they have like stories with the X Men and What If episodes? Yes. I don't know because most people aren't watching that. Exactly, oh, right. like oh, why haven't we seen Scott Summers yet? Why would we see a sixteen year old that can shoot you know beams out of his eyes in this Marvel universe? It just wouldn't happen right now. And so I think it's that man. I think you see folks who want certain things and psych themselves out. Like in One Division, it's like oh well, why did didn't we see X, Y, and Z? Why didn't we meet Reed Richards? Why wasn't the person Monica Rambeau was talking about? Why wasn't that Reed? And it's like, but why and would where that was Magneto? Be right, right. Where's Magneto? Where was <laughs> where was at? You know, so I think it's that, man. I think when you talk about- These are about real the things, of, yeah. These are very real things, man. Like I've had folks ask me, they're like, oh, you know, has Charles told you when, when you know, Sue Storm is showing up? And I'm like, why would Charles tell me that if the movie doesn't have a damn director yet? Like, Charles, <laughs> Charles doesn't know shit about that. Because everybody that everybody that I talk to says they haven't cast anybody for that movie. See, see. So I th- I think it's that. I think it's 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 definitely like a lack of patience. I think it's folks wanting yeah. this instant gratification for themselves, so they can then be on yeah. Twitter and say, "See, I called it. I said this was going to happen." Now, I knew can I just quickly step in? Very rarely, I'll step in my role as a producer because I do very little production on this. <laughs> yeah. But. There, we we yeah. have only gotten through like three of the sixteen things that have been announced. So I it's true, and I only have to go. No, I, yeah, how yeah, many that's okay. Let's that hop out. And I'm fine taking a long time. Like I'll be up until three in the morning anyway. But I do want to be respectful to other people. So we let's keep going to other stuff. Of course. So uh, all right. So let's let, yeah. Let's talk about Kang. Let's talk about the feelings that we feel about like this person showing up and becoming something incredible. Which is what I was saying before we digressed. Um, Howard, since you're, since you're about to be out shortly, uh, give me your thoughts on Kang and what you're expecting and what you're looking forward to. Been waiting to see what was how that was going to manifest, especially obviously the you know the the what was it the ten electric minutes we got from Jonathan Majors at the end of Loki. So clearly we we all want to know, right? We all want to see. <laughs> And so, you know, so so there was that. And it goes back to these ideas, this idea of tent poles, right? Like the reason why the MCU was so good was because when you saw Tom Hiddleston, you knew you were in for something, right? So you've got this character now that is going to exist through all of the different iterations, all the variants, all the multiverses, all of it. And you've got a superstar actor. And so you've got another person who is going to just 
capture the screen and eat up the screen. And I wasn't even an Ant-Man and the Wasp person, but it doesn't make a difference because he's going to be there. And so all of this, once again, all of the different teasers that you've gotten so far give you something to really look forward to. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, Dalbeen, how about you with Kang? What do you, I mean, we talk about Kang all the time on this show. What are your thoughts? Um, Howard nailed it, man. I think, you know, so I, in the description, it says that uh, Ant-Man introduces himself to to Kang and he's like, oh, I'm Ant-Man, I'm an Avenger. And Kang's response is, oh, I'm, I'm a conqueror. And I think that there's just some lines, man. There's some lines that like we remember, right? Like when, you know, when Joker tells Batman, he's like, he's like, you want to know how I got these scars? And you kind of remember that, right? You remember that? And I think Kang is going to deliver some bars, like just some absolute bars. And I think Howard's point about uh, having an actor who just captures you the minute you come on, I think in some way, like no Robert Downey Jr., no Chris Evans, which to Howard's point, he wasn't a sure thing, but he's become such a better actor, you know, since joining the MCU. Um, so you kind of looked when you kind of paid attention when Cap was there. Majors is that guy. Majors has now, not next, not two years from now, not five years from now. He's got now. And he's and I think he's going to absolutely shut the MCU down. So I'm excited to see him. And I also keep saying, man, I think he's going to kill Paul Rudd. People keep saying, why am I why am I pushing that? I think he's going to snap Paul Rudd's neck. I think Paul Rudd's going to die. <laughs> I, as the resident keeping track of the ages of the actors in these movies paul rudd might look ageless but he is in his 50s and i don't necessarily expect him to want to keep his physique up for the next decade so that's right well can i throw one last thing out of here before i jet um yeah the one the one concern that i have and we'll see how it plays out and it may not be Mm -hmm. a concern at all because you know you still have you know, you still have Hemsworth, you still have Tom Holland, you still have some of these other guys, is that the biggest problem that you have with superhero genre films is the villain is so much better than the heroes. So right now, if you've got Jonathan Majors on one side and you start looking at the list of villains who are out there, um, when if they start eclipsing the the heroes then that could be trouble because the the thing you the thing that made the MCU really great was the was the surprises it was the fact yeah. that oh you know Chris Hemsworth can carry a film and oh Chris Evans is actually a really good actor and is actually the heart and soul and the backbone of all of this and it may not be Robert Downey Jr. and so you know traditionally when you look at these at these superhero movies you know to me jack nicholson runs roughshod over michael keaton right gene hackman runs wild over christopher and then christopher reeve balances it out but you know the the villains get to have more fun and hopefully we're going to see some of the uh, some of the heroes you know make sure that they that they steal the scenes as well i will yeah I will say this before you take off. Um, I've had, if you think back, if, if you guys or anyone that's listening has followed me for a little while, I have hit a couple things about Peyton Reed in the past. And I will say this, Peyton Reed is as high on Jonathan Majors as an actor as anybody that's directing Anything right now is on anybody that's acting in their film. Mm. Jonathan, I, I, I tweeted this out last night. I know, I know AC saw it. 
Yes, the, I did. <laughs> the, the Jonathan Majors MCU takeover is upon us. And you saw today, you saw just a just a glimpse of it. Quantumania, Loki 2, Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars. They are smartly taking advantage of one of the most talented and charismatic actors in Hollywood. They are going to to get everything that they can out of him because you know the guy's got so many things he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, have you guys seen him? Have you seen him physically recently? Yes. Have you seen yes. what he looks yes. like? Yes. So he went from Quantumania to Creed Three to a bodybuilding movie. He wants this. This is the prime of his life. He wants to work all the time. And it took me, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 minutes of, of Lovecraft, Lovecraft country to go like, wow, greatness, right? Like, mm, like yeah. sheer greatness. And man, do they, how do they do it? How does like, it's Seraphin, but finds people just at the right time as their, as their star is ascending. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Majors is that right now. And they are going to make sure that he is at the forefront like they just called it the multiverse saga. You should have just damn well called it the Kang saga because that's what it is. Yeah. Like, I think the secret the is Jonathan Major saga because that's what it is. Like he is going to be the face of everything they do from now until what was it twenty twenty five. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. and and why not? What a, what a face! What a talent! I mean, just mm-hmm. I I'm 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 so happy. I'm thrilled. Like. I, I've been thinking through this a little bit, but like today has been such a day for me because my my we 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 held my oldest daughter's graduation party. Mm-hmm. My son, who's five months old, met my best friend from childhood, and we never see each other. Our sons met each other today for the first time, and then I come home just in time for this Marvel Studios panel. Like, I, just my day has just been on just just going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And as I sit here and I think like I'm talking, I was talking to my daughter who writes for the site a little while ago and, and we watch all these things together and she watched, she, she didn't watch Lovecraft country. Obviously she's 13. She didn't watch Lovecraft country, but she watched Loki. And, and when Jonathan majors came on the screen, when that episode ended, she's like, dad, she's like, wow, like that guy's amazing. And I was like, oh yeah, baby, you're going to see him. You're going to oh, see in a couple him of years. You can watch the last black man in San Francisco. He's amazing in that. So he's, good. Yeah. He's amazing. He's right. amazing. Well, I want to get and, Howard a uh, good exit before. I don't want him to have to jet in the middle of someone else's monologue. So, Howard, are there any last thoughts you want to get off before you head out? Yes. No, my last thoughts are um, I'm glad you guys are doing this. This is amazing. We'll see you in a couple days. I believe Amin is giving us a time. So, we will. We will be doing uh, episode two on the on, on, on the Metal Arc side. So looking forward to seeing you yes. all. Charles, good to see you. Darlene, good to see you. Thank it's you for having me. Huge fan, man. I've been a fan of you for a long time. You're writing. So this this was a, a bucket list for me. Uh, have a good one, Howard. Thank you, Howard. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. I'm not in Seraphin's casting office, but mm-hmm. I feel like so much of why the casting works so often is because... For some of the roles, obviously, they'll like look for something very specific, but it feels like in a lot of these, they know that since almost all these characters have had so many different iterations, you you can like you can mold an actor into playing a character. You can't make charisma. You can't make screen presence. So it's like cast someone who is kind of like a character, and if they're a good actor, they can make it work. Like, yeah. But jo- they see Jonathan Majors has charisma. He has some of the qualities that they're looking for in Kang, but it's like 
let's mold the way we tell Kang over what he does successfully, as opposed to being like, let's find a guy that's so perfectly can play Kang. I was like, that's not mm-hmm. something you're going to find. And so I think that yeah. that's really why it works so well. Can I speak yeah. to that? Yeah, of course. Sure. So, so I've been, um, but, but like since, since 2015, give or take, um, had a lot of access to um, Hollywood casting grids. Um, and I, I saved them all. I saved from day one. I saved every single one of them. Like I have an archive of them. And the change that has come through them, specifically what we're talking about here with Marvel Studios, is just an an openness to we want the character to be like this, and and there's and it's it's very much changed from I don't know say like hey we're we're casting for like I'll say like for sure when when Ant Man and the Wasp was coming out and they were casting Bill Foster they're like. 60 african-american intelligent and i i remember and this was this is something joe deckelmeyer from uh the the illuminati can tell you i was like dude that's bill foster he's like how do you know i said well it's an ant-man movie and and it's a black guy who's the same age as hank pym and it's it's bill foster like there there's there it just is it's very straightforward and it's very clear that's that's who they're casting here and now when you read them those those descriptors are just like we want someone who's humorous, intelligent, comedic, and, and so they're they're no longer saying like, "Hey, we think that this character is this age and this ethnicity." They're just saying like, "We want a person who can play this type of person," and this is how you end up with a guy like Jonathan Majors as Kang. Like, yeah. this is exactly how you do it because you stop trying to specify. We want. We want white, we want black, we want male, we want we want female. You just say like, give us someone who can deliver this quality yes. of this character, and then you get amazing shit. Like you get Jonathan Majors. I'll 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 stay here all day and and just go nuts on the talent that that guy has. Yeah, I don't care what you do with Jonathan Majors. You have to get him in. If you have a franchise like they do, you have to get a guy like that. And, and they do that better than anybody else because they don't yeah. – they've learned and they've evolved. And this is why, like earlier, I was – I'm pretty confident that, like, the TV side will evolve too. Like, they're getting it. They they just don't – it's not the same. And this is, like, again, I've been watching this for a long time and I've seen the change. And I, and I know, like, the openness they have now in more and more and more of the lead roles are just, like, we want someone who can do these things instead of we want a white male or a – like it used to be all the time, diverse female. Well, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't, I have no idea what that, that <laughs> descriptor means. Right. Yeah. But now they're saying like, we want someone who has these qualities as an actor. And if you're a legit actor, as Jonathan Majors is, you have all those qualities, right? That's the whole job. So this is, and, and they, and they've also like in Jonathan Majors case, as far as I know, and they picked him out ahead of time. They knew they wanted him and they wanted him for this big bad of this, of this saga and good for mm-hmm. them to, to identify the talent, you know, two, three years ago when, when the rest of us were just finding out who he was. And then dropping him in, in a TV show as a, <laughs> a balls, variant, right? a variant of who he's actually going to be. I just remember like when we talked to Kate mm-hmm. Heron uh, last year and asked her about like, what was it like with him coming in and just how, in awe everybody was and just kind of like his process of how he goes Mm. about stuff it was just like it's incredible to hear 
like the dedication to the work, the dedication to the art, yes. and basically the fact that he's going to be playing different versions of himself, which is a hell of an undertaking. Like, let's not like <laughs> underrate that yeah. at all. That's crazy. It's, it's, it's not like Eddie Murphy in uh, Nutty Professor style either, right? Like, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like it's each of these each of these variants. Like, what's the Kang Dynasty going to be? You can go read the comic book, but you know, if you've been following the MCU, you know that it's not going to be the comic book. Uh, and the thing, what I can say though, is that even though it's not going to be like Eddie Murphy, I would find it very funny if there are multiple Kangs around a table farting and stuff. That would be very funny. <laughs> I, would, I would appreciate that. That would make me laugh. If that look, look, let me let me go back to that. Eddie Murphy, I I was I grew up in the in the eighties, and Eddie Murphy is one of my absolute favorites. Oh, right? Absolutely. Like I I lived off of Eddie Murphy. I, I'm not I'm not discrediting Eddie Murphy, but like I, I oh, think no. what Jonathan Majors is doing is a whole different deal. No, I was just doing a dumb joke and interrupting a serious <laughs> point, which is not not something I do all the time. Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> I, I actually listen. I actually Hill taught. Cop. I'm a teacher, and I teach summer workshops. And I taught a summer workshop in the high school where Beverly Hills Cop with the Mumford High. The, uh-huh. the sweatshirt he no, wanted to workshop in that high school. So I have a quick question and we'll move on. What's your opinion on the fact that in Venom 2, Tom Hardy dresses like Axel Foley in the first Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> Did they make a second Venom movie? Oh, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the fa- Yeah, that's the. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Jake oh. don't know about this. <laughs> Jake don't know that. this part. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> let me. Let me. Let me continue because. You know, as as much as like we let me continue. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. But it's like, you know, even with as much of the Kang stuff that we do have, there are a couple of other projects that were, you know, announced stuff that we knew of, but also stuff that, you know, we haven't got like word on either when it was coming out or what it's going to look like. One of the things that I've been interested personally, just because of its comic book ties, is Secret Invasion and uh, mm-hmm. what they're going to do with that. And it, it and it seems like obviously nothing can be like the books, but um, yeah. just to see Samuel Jackson kind of like carry this series and everything that they're going to bring with it, bringing in Amelia Clark, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, obviously back as Talos. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Dalbin, we talk about scrolls and who's a scroll and what's happening there. We we hear that Don Cheadle's in this. Rhodey's back. What are what are your first like thoughts hearing new stuff about Secret Invasion? Well, probably that Cheadle's a scroll. I've been saying that for months. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's a scroll, if anybody's a scroll, it's that man. It's that man. Um, I think you know I. You know that you know. We talked about Charles said this about the Kang Dynasty. We know this about Secret Invasion, and you just said it. It's not going to mirror the books exactly, okay? But uh, judging by all the footage description, it sounds like it's going to have a lot of what really worked in the story, right? Like this, like who do you trust, and like who can you trust? I think it's also there's a lot of opportunity, man, here to set it up where like somebody who we thought was a hero was a scroll all along, right? Like that yeah. there's potential for there. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's been a villain this entire time, right? Like, is it possible that we find out, like, I remember, you know, like, is it possible that we find out that like, you know, Black Widow, you know, was really a scroll? Like, is that what we're about to find out? Is she's not really dead, right? Or are we going to find out that like, you know, there's, 
you know, scrolls behave differently in another universe than they do in this, you know, MCU 616. And I think, I think I was talking with, you know, on the Twitter spaces earlier, we were recapping this with, with Michael and I was saying, there's a, uh, you know, at the end of Age of Ultron, Baron Von Strucker says the Age of Spies is over, right? I don't think so, man. <laughs> I don't think that's over <laughs> at all. And and you still have this, like, real, like, corner with, like, MI-13 and, like, just a, a whole lot of espionage yeah. still to tell mm-hmm. here in this universe. And the and Secret Invasion opens up a different side of that because this is still very much an espionage thriller. Yeah. But I think for, for me, man, it's, you know, War Machine, he's a scroll. The president, we're gonna find out he's a scroll too. <laughs> right. Like I, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of people that we're gonna be surprised they're scrolls because one thing, and this is the this ties into Charles's point about majors, like the balls mm-hmm. it takes to introduce your big bad in a TV show. Like yeah. people are gonna realize like you can't skip the Disney Plus shows. You can't just skip them. Yeah. Right. It's the folks who went to go see Multiverse of Madness and they were like, What? Wanda's bad? How did this happen? What do you mean, how did this happen? She was reading the dark hole at the end of the end of WandaVision. That's how it happened. Her fingers were, were decaying. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get my kids, man. That's what I'm going to go do. So I think we're going to see Secret Invasion is going to is going to, because I think in order to raise the stakes for for Kang mm. Dynasty and Secret Wars and particularly Secret Wars, because I think some people are going to die in Secret Wars, right? In order for you to raise the stakes, things have to oh, mean something. And Secret Invasion yes. is the way that you make it that that it means something by revealing that guys who we thought were heroes are no longer weren't really heroes, and guys who we thought were our like people that we saw evolve didn't really evolve. You know, like it's just they you know mm-hmm. they were. They were replaced at some point. For sure. Before I throw it it to you, Charles, I do want to say this because Dalby mentions a lot of interesting points there. I think the one transition that you can use from the books that I would like to see personally is the idea of, as we know at the end of Secret Invasion in the books, the government is distrustful of Tony Stark and they're like, wait a minute, how how did you not see this coming? How was this a thing? And they get to the point where they're like, hey, Norman Osborn, you handle things now for us. So I, with with Val hey, in the me. fold, with Val being in the fold now, I do wonder if they're going to look at Fury the same way in this show after this concludes and we have our Thunderbolts set up coming through, and I will throw this to Charles. Man, that's... um. It's pretty hefty. <laughs> it's trying to think about my future as a owning a website before I answer this question. <laughs> Don't get yourself in trouble here. If you're going to get yourself in no. trouble, make it on a more prestigious publication. Don't do it right. here. Yes, <laughs> we're just goofing around here. <laughs> all anybody can, all these guys can see is my face. Is I'm just like, man, how do I? You know, so let's just let's do a thing where we just think logically. Yes, let's um, think logically. Because no one can fault us for being smarter than the the people who follow comic books that we've already read, right? Like critical thinking. Yes, we, we spoke about it earlier, <laughs> man. And I and is that not my everyday life as a teacher? It is. <laughs> That's that so. Is so so here we are. Like we've seen Val. We'll see her again. Uh, what what's today? It's July. We'll see her in, in four months um, mm-hmm. in in another project that comes out in four months. I had a trailer for it today that I still haven't watched. And <laughs> she's very clearly in the business of assembling her own set of Avengers. So mm-hmm. if we if we think about it as such, she has a Captain America type Avenger. She has a Black Widow type Avenger. 
who's she after next? She'd like to have an Iron Man type Avenger. Well, an Iron Man type Avenger who's a younger hero, who has a different kind of mentor state in um, a different film, follow her, maybe, maybe not. But who are the original Avengers? Will she have a Hulk Avenger? Will she have an Archer Avenger? Like, these are the kind of people she's chasing, right? But why does she want them? That's the question we don't we don't have an answer to at this point. And that's, this is where it brings us right back to what Anthony's talking about. Like, why, do, why is she here? What does she know that we don't all know? Mm-hmm. And, and this is what we would expect Nick Fury to know. And so we, we get to Secret Invasion where... The paranoia has reached a level where the spy of spies isn't comfortable with what he knows. He doesn't know what he knows. How terrifying is that? Mm-hmm. And what can they do in this? Is it Kyle Bradstreet that's doing this? That direct is is the showrunner for this? Is that the guy's name? I believe so. I think yes. that's right. What can he do with us? But take us with the guy who we've always trusted who we've always known knows more than anybody else, who, who in Avengers Age of Ultron just pops up in a fucking barn. And he's like, hey, guys, <laughs> here I am. And I, I just happen to have all the answers to your questions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now this guy doesn't know. Mm-hmm. That that in and of itself is terrifying, right? That's pretty scary. So I guess the safest thing I can do without getting myself in trouble again 24 hours consecutively. Please don't. I can't emphasize enough how much I don't want you to get in trouble on this show. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. Yesterday was a bad day for me, dude. A real bad day. I was not... I was just, on If you need face. to throw it to me to make a dick joke to get you out of it, just let me know. I, I, have, <laughs> I love dick jokes. Deadpool, there you go. There's a dick joke. Um, but what does Vel know that, that Nick Fury doesn't know? That's a fascinating question we should all ponder between yes. now and, uh, you know, when I correctly predicted when Secret Invasion would come out on my hypothetical calendar as if I didn't know when it was coming. And, and that, oh, on that note, go ahead, thing before we're done with Secret, because I think we want to move on after this, but an yes. important thing to keep in mind is, because Charles, you're talking about how we know that Nick Fury knows everything, that we can trust him. But we Terrifying that, we that he doesn't him. know, though. Agreed. But Terrifying. We know, we, we know that we can trust him and that he is a good person to put in charge because we've seen him behind the scenes making the right decisions being there for the heroes, etc., etc., etc. But if you're someone who hasn't been there in the barn with him, that hasn't been there in the moments of privacy, and cr- you can understand why maybe the government would not trust him oh. because he's a spy. And the same way that when we're watching, we know Val is a bad person because like, we know how she is in the comics and we know that John Walker's not that good of a guy. But if you're the government, there's really nothing about Val uh, immediately that's like, oh, she is, she's a bad person. There's yeah. no reason to think she's a villain. And so yeah. I think it's very easy for us to be like, of course Nick Fury should be in charge. He's a good guy. But the reason we know he's a good guy is because we know him more than any than like the powers that be. And so you could easily see a Great world point. where Nick Fury kind of loses his grip and the government's like, we can't trust you anymore because you don't know what you're doing. And this Val person, she says she knows everything that's going on mm. and she seems trustworthy. She has the American hero John Walker with her. Why don't we trust her? And so I think that that's really exciting to see the way that like – the way that perception works, that it kind of plays with, like, the, obviously mm. we know that Nick Fury is the good guy and Val's the bad guy. But once again, there is no on-the-surface reason for other people to know that. And so I think that that's exciting for me. 
But Val also used to be married to this really like super normie, lame dude who's kind of a hero sometimes. <clears throat> Which you will find out in a couple months. Yes, 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 yes. We will find out in a few months. Secret Invasion is going to be very, very fascinating to see. In the endless amount of projects that Marvel Studios announced, another one that seems to be the end of James Gunn uh, directing in the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, coming out next spring. Oh, boy, there's a lot happening there. High evolutionary... Um, apparently people are not going to make the end of this film, are not going to survive. There's a lot happening. Um, Jake, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, What are you looking forward to in Jake's, uh, swan, I mean, in, in James's, uh, swan song? I'm glad to know I was the only person that, uh, is drinking tonight. No, um, I, (laughs) obviously there's been a lot talking about, uh, Sorry, it's funny, you had one slip up, and I was playing this pot only go to one hour, and so I got two drinks, and as we kept going, I kept getting more, and it's yeah, I'm like great. six. Yeah, I'm not, I don't feel great about it, but just, I'm just saying this out loud, because you're wondering, like, why is Jake slurring his words more than usual? It's Am because, I slurring? Is that what's going no, on here? No, you're not. Uh, but the thing is, My Charles, wife I, him. it's over if I'm slurring. The thing is that I already have a problem with stringing my words together too much to the point where I'm not understandable and so if i have two drinks i start to sound like um anyway but uh obviously thank you um there's (laughs) been so much talk about you know drax not making it for various batista reasons i joked on the discord that it's because he wants to do stuber tuber um but (laughs) (laughs) that's the best thing i've ever heard (laughs) thank you um but I'm really excited about, and I apologize if I'm saying the name wrong because I never actually heard it said correctly. But uh, Chukwudi uh, Ijui, how am I, uh, the from Peacemaker, playing um, the uh, what is it, the high uh, high evolutionary, high evolutionary? Yes. the but highest the of evolutionaries. Yes. The thing I'm excited about that is that, and obviously he did the whole thing at Comic Con, and he's clearly into it. But that really excites me because James Gunn knows that he can get basically any. C tier actor or lower to play that role, really. Like he, he really has a his pick of the litter of anyone outside of like A list and B list to play that role. But he's like this guy I worked with who I saw up close. I think he is so talented that he can do it. And that when that happens, when you I, there's nothing that excites me more as a film fan when you see it when you see a an actor who like for example the thing that i think about a lot is how like paul verhoven made total recall and sharon stone had like a m- you know middle part in it and he was like no 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 i think you should be the lead of my erotic thriller i make next because i see that in you you know what i mean and so it really excites me that james gunn is like you're like the you know fourth lead on this you know hbo max show i'm making but i yeah. see in you that you can be a major character in the mcu that is like wow that's really exciting and the fact that once again he's so into it that he showed to comic-con looking like that character hell yeah no nah, man i i can't wait to see what his performance is going to look like uh dalbin how about you oh dalbin before you go you're you're gonna head out but um before you go give us your thoughts on guardians of the galaxy volume three and what we're gonna see yeah absolutely and first off thank you guys i Always down to kick with you guys. And I'm glad that I got to kick it for longer than 48 minutes, like our normal pod episode. So this was good. Um, I think so. I think so. I think it's a couple. I think it's a couple things. I think. And uh, I, I often think 
we talked about this, like logic and common sense. The high evolutionary for folks who haven't read the comics and all of us have, you know, to some extent, you know, he's known for experimenting on things, you know, humans, animals, things like that. And uh, and because his goal, as he said today, you know, when he delivered his bars is that his goal is to turn you into something less repulsive. Right. And there's something really, really terrifying about that, especially as we barrel towards the mutants. Right. Because yes. we just saw in, you know, in Miss Marvel that some the bangle activated something in in Kamala. Right. Like she something she had a mutation and this bangle act, you know, set it off. The high evolutionary, I think, I think folks don't realize, and this is why it's cool, like to Jake's point, this is why it's cool that he got somebody who isn't like, like he didn't go and get Robert, he didn't go and get Robert De Niro to play the high evolutionary. <laughs> Let me go do that. You want to got somebody that, you know, he's worked with before that he knows is a talent who maybe just hasn't gotten an opportunity of this magnitude to be in a franchise like this before, right? right. Because the high evolutionary's role in the comics in particular, as it pertains to the Guardians, but also as it pertains to like, there's connections to like the Eternal and like the mutants and you know and his whole shtick is you know experimenting to improve things right um, yeah and i think that i think that the fact that you know uh, charles has said this about majors like you you got him right like i mean for real marvel got him right before his he, i mean he he took off like you know he they got him locked him in you know and now he's that guy i think i love the fact that james gunn to your point you know to your point just he went and said listen man like you may not know who this dude is but I think he could play this role really, really well. And if today's performance at Hall H is any inclination of how he's going to play the performance, how he's going to play the high evolutionary, I think that's going to be really, really cool. Because I think that folks, even we know that this is the end of this iteration of the Guardians, right? We know that it's the end. Batista wanted to be the rock so bad, and now he can go back and do God knows what. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, but I think I, 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 I'm very curious to see where we end up with the guardians after this, because without the guardians, there's no Marvel cosmic side and Marvel really rolled the dice with the guardians. Right. And they, and they hit, they hit on it. And now I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see where we end up at the end of it, but I'm excited for it considering this is the end of this team. For sure. For sure. And Charles, uh, your thoughts on guardians three, what not only to expect, but kind of the end of this version of them, because it's going to be a clear, uh, different, different look after this. I am uh, mm, I'm almost terrified. I don't know why I do this. I'm terrified to speak out in a sense. I, I read comics for forever and then went to college. High sp- my senior year in, in high school, I, I dedicated a lot of my spare time to the sport that I ended up playing in college. And then college is hard as it is and playing a sport is real hard. So post-college, I started reading again. And the thing that drew me back into comics uh, was the DNA, <clears throat> Guardians, Nova, Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, that whole thing. And so when they announced that James Gunn was going to make Guardians of the Galaxy, I was I was thrilled because I was a big James Gunn fan. I, I watched a couple of his movies. I was like, man, this guy's got it. Like He, he knows what's up. And the original Guardians movie, as great as it is, wasn't what I was hoping a Guardians movie would be. He mm-hmm. he made all, he, it doesn't take it doesn't take uh, an expert to see it took a lot of liberties with the characters. 
Yeah. But I enjoyed the movie. And I said, like, man, this is great. Like, he, these characters aren't the characters I thought they should be. But this movie this movie works, right? He did what he did. Like, so, for instance, like, Drax isn't uh, a guy who died on Earth and was reincarnated in the body of a destroyer. And, and you, you can go from there. Whatever. Like, that's just an example. But the movie's great, right? Like, and, and, and that movie will always hold a special place for me. It's the last movie I, my mom and I saw before she passed away. Um, and so I, I was like, man... All right, so it's not what I wanted, but it's it, it's got potential. And the second movie kind of took away a lot of that potential for me. Um, it just the original Guardians, uh, the way that they presented them, and and some of the things they did. So what you know, whatever. Uh, but as as they as that movie ended up, and we knew where it was headed, we got a big info dump about what Guardians Three is going to be about. And I was very excited to find out that some of what Guardians 3 would be about, and obviously towards the end, was assembling a new team. And I feel like that that's part of the process that happened here tonight at, at SDCC was for them to say, like, yeah, it's, a, it's, the last, uh, it's the last volume of this group of characters, but there's a new thing headed, headed into the future. And not everybody has to die. And I, right. honest to God, that's the most exciting thing to me. Is that to know that like the gun version, and I think he's done a nice job with these characters. And and what I can say is like what he did with the Suicide Squad is to to most people what I wish he did to me with the Guardians characters. Mm-hmm. I think I had such a deep reverence for the Guardians characters that what he, the changes he made to them weren't for me. But I love what he did with the Suicide Squad because I don't have the same concern or care for those characters. If that, I guess, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. But like, I, those characters didn't mean much to me. I love the Suicide Squad. That, that movie's the best movie I saw that year. And so I feel like he's the right guy to have driven the Guardians to the screen for people who don't know who they are from the comics. He made them incredibly lovable like the best thing he did was to give peter quill a, a walkman right like that that's right. the best change he made yeah. that that made that movie like the the think about when you were we were in a theater or you were at home or whatever when you saw the trailer for the first time and you heard the music and you heard it through quill's walkman like you're sold you this is a great movie yeah. this is, i want to see this right Absolutely. it's a great change but like to me as a person who grew up reading the original guardians comics and then got back into it through the DNA comics. I was like, man, these aren't the guys. So I think in the in the long run, the Guardians aren't these people, these this cast isn't the guys I fell in love with, but man, did they draw in the crowd. And I'm I guess I'm a little hopeful. I, I'm I'm psyched that Cosmo has a voice in this movie. I love Cosmo. <laughs> um, and motion right. capture, apparently. I Maria love Bakalova, say Academy Award nominated actress Maria Bakalova did motion capture for Cosmo. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. I think it's great. I'm I'm just psyched, and uh, I love the High Evolutionary in it. I, I think um, I, the High Evolutionary is a character that I've hoped would be along for a while. So you know, it's it's a mixed bag for me. I, I'm. He's he's made the Guardians popular in a way that they should never have been. Um, it wasn't the way that I wish they'd come, but now someone else can 
can kind of step in, right? Like, and and Kevin, like I know you're listening, Bubby. I'm ready yeah. for the job, Bubby. Come come get me. Give me a call. I, honestly, that's really unfair given the amount of times that I've asked for a job from Kevin Feige on this podcast. <laughs> um, that's really rude. Would you call him Bubby though? No, I didn't call him Bubby, but I did. I did make a uh, fake poster for the Alligator Loki show that I pitched. So um, <laughs> it's a poster I did, Charles. Where because uh, I'm from Florida, so I did it where it's uh, Steve Spurrier is Odin, oh. uh, Dwayne Wade is Heimdall, and Pitbull is Thor. I believe is what it was. Um, anyway, um, how that stuff. didn't how that didn't work, I'll never know. How I don't. That- I'll be honest with you. The other ones are the other ones are negotiable. The other ones are negotiable, but Steve Spurrier as Odin is non-negotiable. I would, they could offer me $20 million. Like, no, Steve Spurrier, he's the HUD ball coach. He's got have you, have you thought about being Urban Meyer and telling Sharif Floyd that God told you to come and come to his <laughs> No, school? because halfway through the series, he would say that he had heart problems and then go join the cast <laughs> of, of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then he would be at a bar just molesting people. It would just be exactly. Yeah, exactly. But they, but he'd also be teaching a class about ethics. Great stuff, Ruben. And, and, saying, it, and saying it wasn't him at the bar. No, it wasn't, me. it wasn't me at the bar that has my name on it. <laughs> so I do want to make this this last transition because I know Dalbin, you got to roll out. So so we're about to do the funky thing over here. So Dalbin, if you have any <laughs> final thoughts. <laughs> just uh just uh this was so much fun like let me tell you man it, and and you know you guys can leave this in or, or cut it out or whatever charles came to me charles came to me a couple years ago man and this was after i'd been following the multiverse you know for like his, his site for a while and read all this stuff and he had said to me he's like you know we had talked about like fatherhood and like all these things and he said to me he's like do you want to put your english degree to good use and i said listen i don't put it to use at work <laughs> I, was like, I was like i'll use it for something cool then right and he had said to me he's like you know I'm thinking of doing this site or whatever, and it has been the most fun two years. So, and this, but this is also like my first time seeing Charles face to face, even though we've talked via text and Slack and all that. So, Charles, I want to thank you to your face for this the opportunity. Radio. <laughs> No, but I thank you for the opportunity. And then like, also like whenever Jake and, and AC asked me on, I'm always like, this is crazy. Like I'm in my, you know, I'm three years away from 40 and I get to kick it with the coolest dudes that I know. As I've said, about- Dalbane, I've said to you before, I said, you're the Matt stairs of podcasting, the best pinch hitter. <laughs> you come in the best pinch hitter of all time, man. Whatever you if need, whatever you, whatever whatever sincerely, you need. If AC or Jerome is out, the first text is Dalbane. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that. That's no, right. but I'm I'm eternally grateful for all three of you, man. Absolutely. Oh, oh man. And there's you know there's still a lot of stuff, but we're gonna try and kind of get through these these uh, releases pretty quickly. Uh, Charles, is there anything that stands out to you about Phase Five um, and Phase Six? I, we talked about the Avenger stuff. Um, I think the thing that I'm looking at that still doesn't have we have a date for fantastic four but we don't have yeah. any information on anything else yeah. uh, what 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 about the fact that they have a date does it feel like we're any closer to learning more about what's happening there yeah i do think we are i i really <clears throat> and i I've, i felt this way tonight doesn't change my mind about anything i guess is the best way to say it um i felt that the target is D23 for a director and a cast. And as far as I have been told, they haven't cast anybody yet. And I I think that's because they'd like to have a director on board who is in the, in the same uh, realm as Sam Raimi was, as far as like being able to, to, to handle the entire production. 
And and if you think to like Raimi coming on board to Multiverse of Madness, he didn't have to hire pretty much anybody, right? Like the the cast was pretty mm-hmm. much you got you've got Strange, you've got Wanda, you've got all these people. It's and fantastic, right? Like it's great. But I, I feel like for Fantastic Four that that Kevin would like to have a guy who can handle all aspects of it. And if they were to land the a guy like we've talked about on our site and, and Anthony, I know you know that I'm yeah. a huge proponent of Steven Spielberg for this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who, who would not come work for Steven Spielberg? Also, right? can I, you know, what's great about that is my personal choice for Ben Grimm. Oh, he just worked with him as the uncle character in the Fablemans, you know, Seth Rogen's right there. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, and I've, I've said before, cause AC taught, we talked about this on our discord in our pod that like, I'm someone who I care. I like movies more than I like the MCU. And so normally <laughs> for some yeah. directors that I don't necessarily want to work on the MCU because I don't want to waste. I don't, I'd rather than make their own movies. Right. Sure. Whereas Steven Spielberg is a guy who he'll make a ready player one. He'll, he likes is a populist filmmaker. And the thing mm-hmm. about the fantastic four is unlike if you said Steven Spielberg was going to direct, you know, Spider-Man four, I'd be like, that's kind of a waste of time for him. But the fantastic four its vibe is very, at least from the outside, you could make a very Amblin-y Fantastic yeah. Four movie. And no, that it's, is like, it's very much like a, a, a like if you just cherry pick his his filmography, you have the Fantastic Four movie, right? Like, yeah. it, I mean, you just you just pick at it, and you're like, oh yeah, that's it. Like you do a little Goonies, a little Indiana Jones, a little Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you can put it together. It's, it's no there. coming under budget and ahead of schedule. Come on, Kevin, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, but he can handle casting. He can produce. He can write. He can direct. And as we talked earlier, like they've got ten projects a year. Yeah. So you bring a guy like Spielberg on. Mm-hmm. Kevin doesn't have to show up on set. Period. He knows. Yeah. He yeah. knows. Steven's got it covered. I, that, I really. I want it to happen. Problem. I want that to happen. Uh, and I'm. There's been obviously denials, as you know. But I'm still holding out hope until they announce it. But I do think that I do want it to be someone who is a steady hand. Like there's some of these smaller projects where I'm like, give someone a chance who's new. But with the Fantastic Four, I wanted to be someone. If not for Spielberg, my next choice would probably be Joseph Kaczynski, who did Top Gun Maverick, yeah. um, just because I think he has a he has a very good handle on how to do big set pieces efficiently. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm just Spielberg man. If Steven Spielberg. And, he, he, and he, I just would love to hear his interviews because he's so happy about everything. He's like, the Fantastic Four, the thing. I was so excited oh. to tell the story. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm 45 years old. The guy is my childhood. Like, to see him do this right. now would be just fascinating. Yeah. And, and once again, anyone who says who would be mad about it, I just want to point out that he did a Ready Player One movie, which is a movie that is based on just, like, one dude writing fan fiction for all the stuff he likes. So he is not <laughs> – like, this would be a step up from that. <laughs> he, he was ready to do a DC film, right? He was going to do yeah. DC Blackhawks. So yeah. so this is fine. Like, he'll he'll do mm-hmm. this. He's not opposed to comic books. Like No. Just, hey, that's, the, that's, that's the thing that's great about it, him is that he'll – It going to work for him. The thing that summarizes Steven Spielberg, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that, and this is why I think he's the greatest director in Hollywood history, is that in 1993, he released two films, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. He is equally parts populist and serious. But anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. And I think the the other the other big announcement of something that people have been waiting to hear is Captain America, New World, or, New World Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting that now. What, we have a director for it. We have the writing team similar to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. 
uh, Charles, do you have any thoughts on like what this movie could potentially look like for Sam or maybe something that you would like to see? I don't have any actual insight, but <laughs> what you get. So, so if you think about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you got a lot of Mark Grunewald cap stories for Sam. And again, as a guy who's 45 and read comics for a long time, I think Mark Grunewald's probably my favorite cap writer. And I know it was a misdirect way back in the day for them to throw the Serpent Society out there in, in place of, you know, Civil War. But I really feel like in the climate in which we exist today, that having Sam Wilson take on something like the Serpent Society in the New World Order movie is the is is a great way to go. Mm. I know that I know that it would they they used it to like kind of push everybody's ideas aside for just a little bit, but when I think of like what Grunewald was doing in the seventies and in the eighties with with the ideas he was writing about, I'm like, man, it, how does it how does it come back around now? to the to the 2020s and those ideas are still prevalent in in like prominent i guess here in in society so i think i guess for me i would love for that movie to be maybe something like the serpent society maybe the corporation and i and i guess i honestly don't mean to even like self-promote here but like a while ago i thought about how moon knight could could fit into cat four Right. And with this title for this movie, I think I think it really does fit. I think he can the corporation and the idea there with uh, with Moon Knight can fit into what we're what they're looking at here. Oh yeah, I, I could definitely see that being something that they could use and make a worthwhile story for Sam Wilson, um, considering how Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended. And I would like to see Sam take care of business on his own. Um, that would be something that would be very intriguing. And mm-hmm. if they could get Mr. Lumbly back as Isaiah Bradley to kind of oh play a play a, a guiding hand. That would be something I would love to see too. That would be something I would be see the best the best character that they've introduced in in these TV series that wasn't a main character. Right? Like, like Sam's not introduced in him, Bucky's introduced in him, but Isaiah Bradley mm-hmm. and, and Carl Lumbly's character is. I mean, yeah. is there a better character that they've introduced? No, and it's it's why how they ended it with him was so disappointing because he was such a good character, and yeah. that like uh, we talked a lot about this with Howard on the show, but the fact that it was just yes. like all you do is get a statue, like that kind of was, and he, yeah. that was only disappointing because he was such a good character. Yeah, we we actually interviewed, um, and his name is totally I didn't interview him. Joe interviewed him. the The kid that played um, who's going to be the Patriot essentially. Oh, I'm okay, totally, okay. totally blanking on the kid's name right now, but it, it's clear that that's the setup, right? For Young Avengers, he's going to play. A, um, what am I? What's the kid? What is his name in the comics? Patriot is oh, all I can think of. Um, but Joe interviewed him, and he's like, he refused to say anything. He's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. But he gave like that, that very glance of like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> like, there, that storyline isn't going away. And it shouldn't. Um, that that series, in in and of itself, even though like it, like John Walker was super disappointing. 
Um, if you watch the boys and you, and you saw how sho- how soldier boy was like that shit, yeah. like Charles and I talk about this all the time. Like yeah. that should have been John Walker, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so some of that stuff is disappointing, but what, what they allowed, um, the, the villains to do in the, sh- in the short amount of time they did and, and tying Sam into like his, his wheelhouse of like, uh, you know, social uh, as a social worker and, and as a, a counselor, Man, that was he was great, and Anthony Mackie's great in that. And so, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was a it, of, of all the series they had, it was the one that like I enjoyed it. But man, that they they missed. They left stuff on the table. Big, they definitely so did. Can hit big in the film. No. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm 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 hopeful to see what they do. Um, what's next on the docket? Well, well, geez, Phase Five has a lot of stuff. Um. We don't know a lot about, like, well, we do know a decent amount of what's happening in Ironheart and how they're going to yeah. continue that on from Wakanda mm-hmm. Forever. Um, some of the cast stuff is very interesting. Um, I know mm-hmm. you've talked, Charles, about about Zeke Stain and mm-hmm. what that what that may potentially look like. Um, what are you thinking of Ironheart and some of the stuff that you mentioned, obviously, without getting yourself in trouble, of course. But, but yeah, um, no, it- it yeah. it's very Ironheart to me is um a, as you look at like the the next wave of TV series, it's the one that I think that is very important that they learn the from their past precedent that they make the biggest adjustments here because again like some of these other series you're taking a character who you'll see before and putting him in so like I think Moon Knight's worked great. Because Miss Marvel's work great because you, you're just meeting these characters for the first time. But the places they've kind of flopped are when we have characters we've met before. But I think Ironheart provides a really good opportunity for them to say, like, hey, this is a character you met, but you don't really know where she came from. And now we're going to tell that story. And those are interesting stories. I, I really do think that. Like, you, if you do them well, you can say, like, yeah, you know this is a person, but let's tell you this story about this person let's let's say where they came from Ooh, hey i got a a phone call all right yes. well i'll keep talking about stuff so, yeah take that so yeah i'm excited for ironheart um and i think that we'll know a lot more about it obviously after uh wakanda forever um and so yeah uh well i think agatha coven of chaos um changing it from house of harkness is something that is interesting on on the outset looking at it there. Yeah, um, I, the thing is, I don't really know what yeah. to make of it. It is interesting, but I don't know what it means until we see. Yeah, it, right. And I don't think a lot of people do anyway. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's just something that is something that we'll have to keep an eye on, and where we find Agatha from, where we last left her at the end of Wandavision. All right. So the uh, I think one of the bigger projects that has a lot of intrigue. And I can actually tie in two things at once is Blade and what we will potentially get with that. One of the things that was omitted, and I suspect that they will talk about it at D23, is the werewolf special, which uh, is something that I think a lot of the a lot of Marvel heads are looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Charles is like, as far as not only Blade, but. Also, like the werewolf special, as we get into more of the supernatural aspect of the MCU and Marvel yeah. generally here. Um, what are your thoughts on the prospects of building out that universe? I'm excited. 
Um, I, so I think there's been some significant leaks for the uh, the Halloween special. And, you know, so we've got, we know we have, obviously, Werewolf by Night, which we thought was the title. Um, we know Man Thing's involved. The Bloodstones are involved. So the idea of building out from this, like, Hitchcockian sort of horror thing is really cool. Like, I, have, you guys have seen the idea of them doing, like, a black and white? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I love it. Um, one of my favorite pilot episodes of anything in the last 10 years or so has been the walking dead. Uh, and, and, and like we'll watch it in my house annually and we'll watch the black and white. Um, and I don't know that black and white screams out to a younger viewing audience, but not everything that Marvel studios makes needs to be made for 20 year olds, right? Like they, they're, they're people, people my age, people older than I am watch these things. So I, I think that that's very cool. And, the idea of monsters was a huge part of Jack Kirby's concept. And he's made some, he made some fantastic drawings of monsters. And I think those things can, can be a part of what we do. And so I, you know, like, yeah, we're going to get man thing. You're going to get werewolf, but like, we know we're getting a blade movie. Ghost riders, a part of this. There are some fabulous characters that, that they can throw into this side of things. I'm, I'm excited for that because I've said this many times on my Twitter if I wasn't covering Marvel superhero stuff, I'd probably still be doing the same kind of thing, but with horror. I, I was a huge horror fan as a kid. Like I loved the original Halloween movies, loved the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like I would, I would do this. So I, this to me, for me, for my own personal taste, is a great blend. Like get a little hardcore horror stuff in here with my comic book stuff. And the yeah, thing so that excites me most about it is just that. And this obviously could go terribly wrong, but the fact that Michael Giacchino was making his directorial debut on it, oh, and like amazing. he's a king of fucking musical scores. And I, when they first announced that he was doing it, it was right after the Batman came out, and it's like this is just like him saying this is my year. Where it's like, oh, you think that there are no more iconic superhero scores left to make? I'm gonna make one, and then I'm gonna fucking direct a TV special. Thank you very much. And so I'm very excited for that. Yes, and then I'll and then I'll just add on Blade. Listen, it's Mahershala Ali. You start there, and you can kind of mm-hmm. you could go anywhere you want after that. But just having him headlining this mm. has me just incredibly excited about where they could take it. It's in the same realm, charismatically as Majors. You know, you you've got a guy who has. I know it's hard for people to accept because you know another Marvel project, but like Mahershala Ali is as, as good as it gets, right? Like the guy, he he's a little selective in his roles, but when he does something, he just murders it, right? Like yeah. It, yeah. there's no there's no down. Like go ahead and, and say like what's what's the worst thing Mahershala Ali's ever done? Is it is it the Predators movie where he's like the best character in the Predators movie? Like I don't know. I, I will <laughs> say I hate I hate one of the movies he won it for, but the list of people with two acting Oscars is like twenty, and he's on it. So like I mean, it's, I, I actually would say that Green Book is the worst movie he's ever been in, and that movie is a crime against humanity. And but but he's not bad, and he's not the problem with it. The problem with it is with, is the guy who holds the pizza, but still. He's hardly the problem in anything he's in. He's fantastic. And and he's he's so much he he to me is in the mold of like Tom Hanks and or or Denzel Washington in that like 
he's just not the same person in every movie he's in. Like he's yeah. so he just disappears. Like it's a like I've literally watched movies where I know he's in it and I'm like, who's that? Oh, that's Mahershala Ali. Like that's very that I know that's their job as actors, but as we as we continue, like look at Vince Vaughn. Like Vince Vaughn's Vince Vaughn in every movie. Melissa yeah. McCarthy's Melissa McCarthy in every movie. Uh-huh. That's not Tom Hanks. That's not Denzel. And that's not Mahershala Ali. Like they disappear into the roles and and like so what's he going to be as Blade? It could, it could be fascinating. I, I mean, I have no idea. I, I can't wait to see it. But like, he's he's one of the people in Hollywood who are capable of of being very much inhabiting the roles that they're in in a different way than they do other things. And I, I'm all for it. I can't wait to see what he does with Blade. Yes, yes. And the one thing I will mention, uh, just from a connectivity standpoint, is the stinger at the end of the eternals with dane whitman and the ebony blade uh, just to see what comes of that at some point that mm. intrigues me too and maybe we get midnight suns but that's a story for another day um two more things to go on this list uh one charles this probably speaks to you more than anything else is echo and um just just give me everything because i know this is near and dear to you yeah it is um i've heard a lot about echo I've heard about what there is to hear about Echo. And I I guess when I knew they're making an Echo project and when I saw what was coming from Hawkeye, um, I was like, oh, a little disappointed with the character in Hawkeye. What they've done for the Echo series is much more along the lines of what I hoped they would do originally. So you're going to see Echo head home. You're going to see her deal with her people. Um, and you're going to see some very, some very significant, uh, representation of indigenous American people. Um, and, and, and the things that I, it's made by almost an entirely indigenous American creative crew, right? So they're the people who are choosing what to show. And, and so for those of you guys who don't know, like, uh, my grandmother was indigenous. My grandmother was, was a native American Indian. And, uh, so even though you know, we talked, the guys on the podcast, and I talked about this earlier, even though I look like the most average white guy ever, like I'm, I'm not. And so this is a big deal to me to, to see these things and, and to, uh, to appreciate these stories. And, and I've always looked at the comics for Echo and Thunderbird and Forge and been like, man, these are great characters. And I was a little disappointed with how they represented Echo and Hawkeye. But from what I've heard about what they're going to do with her in, in her own show, I'm very, I'm very excited. Yes, yes. And Jake, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't. Honestly, I'm excited to see it, but it feels like, I mean, most the main thing that changed today is we just got a date and I'll be there. I mean, obviously I'll be there because I do this podcast, but I'll be there anyway. Right. And um, yeah, considering what we started to talk about with Daredevil earlier, seeing Matt in this mm-hmm. is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, Vincent in this is, a, is an interesting wrinkle. So how they plan to integrate those characters but still keep it echo story and echo show will be interesting to watch for sure and very direct ties yes. between between echo and daredevil very direct ties between the two series oh okay okay so that's a that's an interesting thing to watch for as well and listen a a series that we kind of talked about at the outset with the kang stuff uh loki season two um, we've seen set photos. Uh, we've seen a lot of a lot of stuff there. 
any any early thoughts, Charles, on what uh, Loki season two will look like with more adventures with Loki, Sylvie, and Mobius? Yeah, so I'm excited because at this point, in, in I guess we're recording on it's July 24th, and I like to to timestamp it. I have no idea what's going on in Loki season two. Uh, I have not heard a single drop of inside info on Loki season two. I've seen the same set photos everybody else has. I love that it's set in the seventies. Uh, cause I think that was like the original conceit we saw, uh, in, I don't know if it was, a. it certainly was a comic con. Maybe it was like in a first investor or whatever, they had like at the jaws, uh, opening thing. And I think it was in New York, but now we're in, we're in, we know we're in, uh, in London in in uh, the seventies with a, a a movie premiere for Zaniac or whatever it is, I think this is great, and, and I, I I do still get very excited about um, upcoming projects that I don't know anything about. So right now I know nothing about Loki season two, and I think it, I think that's great. Yes, and, I think and it's great as well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was no, I was preempting your tossing it to me. I apologize. I'm excited. I love the fact that there's a photo of Tom Hiddleston and Sophia DiMartino at a McDonald's. That shit is great. <laughs> Big fan. Uh, no thoughts. Non-biodegradable container. You know, it is. Yeah, it's not great, but it is. It's just always nice. When, they, when people say stars just like us, they usually mean like, oh, they had to go to the grocery store. But sometimes it's like, oh, shit, I don't have enough time to get dinner. Uh, let me go to McDonald's. <laughs> And the uh, the the final thing, and I just realized I just missed this. It's a show that's coming out in a few weeks. She Hulk. Yeah. We saw a new trailer, which I'm so hype. Has a lot of new stuff in it. We we see Wong. We see Matt in the in the yellow suit. So we're going OG Daredevil back to the beginning, the very beginning. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this show for reasons for reasons that to me are not important, but like, I feel like this <laughs> yeah. is going to be really, really exciting. I think the main thing that we saw in this trailer was the first time we get to see Jennifer break the fourth wall when that yeah. is, and that is fun. So Charles, give me your thoughts on what you're looking forward uh, to for She-Hulk. Man, I, it's going back a year now when I first started hitting some info on She-Hulk and the more I heard, the more I thought like, man, these guys don't give a shit about what their audience is going to think about how different this is from what they've done. They've bought, like, like they dialed right in and bought right into, we're going to make this show a direct representation of early She-Hulk comic books. And those comic books at the time they were written weren't always like super popular, but like the fourth wall breaking and... I'm the the number of I don't know I don't even know what letter to give them D list E list F list Z list characters that they're about to introduce in the show is fantastic and so you know none of these not every single one of these stories is going to matter in the multiverse saga but I love that they're willing to take this like half hour nine you know nine half hour episode detour into saying like Look at this is a this is a super cool character who has these experiences with these people, but then they're also definitely going to anchor it into the MCU. Like mm-hmm. obviously we've seen the trailer. You've got you've got the yellow Daredevil suit. He's going to be a big deal. You've got a larger overarching story. For me, for the rest of this, for the rest of 2022, this is the one that I am most interested in how the public receives it. Mm, I think. I think the public's going to love, the general audience is going to love Black Panther. 
I'm really curious how the general public's going to receive She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine it's going to be a thing that has happened with some other Marvel properties where there's almost like a gulf of the more invested you are in the MCU, I think people who are super invested or kind of self-serious won't like it. Whereas like casual viewers, because like I've talked recently about how my brother, um, his girlfriend has gotten him into like basically watching all the Disney Plus shows. And he had seen some of the movies and stuff, but he's never been a huge MCU guy ever. Mm. Um, but like he's liked a lot of the stuff that is less connected to things. Like he really liked Moon Knight a lot, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that he'll love She-Hulk because the thing yeah. that She-Hulk seems like is She-Hulk seems like actually funny not and well, not that i don't think yeah, the mcu yeah. stuff is funny but like not superhero quip funny but because i i'm going to use the tv degree that i talked about not using right here that there is a structural difference between a story that is a comedy and a story that is a drama you can tell yeah. a story that is structurally a drama that has a lot of jokes in it but it still means that the structure mm-hmm. of it is a drama it feels like the structure of shield is structured like comedic episodes where yeah, that exactly. and the, the way that that was explained to me in school was basically that in a comedy, the thing that is at stake is like people's relationships. It's not actually their lives. And so while there probably will be a final ninth episode where there's a big showdown where someone might die, it feels like the stakes of the show are about Jennifer Walters' life and her relationships and mm-hmm. her friends. And that's what comedies are. It doesn't always have to be someone's life on the line. And I'm really excited to see that because that's fun and funny. And it is the thing I want Marvel to do. If Marvel's going to do 25 things a year, I want them all to be a little bit different in what they're giving us. Yeah. Oh, yes, sure. I think you're correct. Yes, for sure, for sure. And let's what a day. What a day. Mm-hmm. It was such a day. I think if you're if you're a fan of this like we are, and if you're listening right now, like this was this was epic because I know people have been talking about fatigue and using all the buzzwords as of late about how they feel about this. And I think sometimes Good things come to those who wait. I think we've been a little spoiled. I think we've been a little spoiled with how much they've given us. And when we went from a year of nothing to a year and a half and more with everything, you then now see something different in the terms of the reaction. So now that we have a map, a maybe a clearer map for people who didn't see, it's going to be an exciting time. Um First, I want to thank Dalbin Osorio and Howard Bryant for joining us. Uh, first off, uh, Ch- Charles, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you plug everything in a sec, but I do want to say yeah. this real quick because I, I think this is like th- this is personal to me on for not only this show but just overall um, as a person. Like a couple of years ago, I as somebody as we started this show and we were doing this show, I gain like an extra passion for searching for these things and this is how i found your site so i would always read everything and i'd just be like this is just great stuff so then eventually i i reached out and was like uh, you know at some point i would i would love to get involved or or whatever so I, I mean i left it to the side for the time being but i think the thing that you did for me personally and it's helped me not only as a person learn more about myself and my own confidence, but also it's helped the show a great deal because just the, the information and the people that you've opened me up to Dal Bean, Hunter, uh, John, like all those people who have come on the show uh, previously, it's not only opened me up to a world of the thing that I love. It's just, people that have been awesome and you've been awesome to me 
uh, personally throughout this entire time. So I appreciate everything that you've done for me personally, because you not only helped me out a great deal, you've helped the show out a great deal. So I, thank you for coming on and uh, gracing us with your presence today. And feel free to plug any and everything that you want to. No, I, you know what? We're, we at Murphy's Multiverse are so blessed to have people like you, Dobin, Hunter, and JJ. And you say it like, and I, I know, I don't want to ever speak for anybody that works with us, but I know that I have people on our team who have been around this for a long time. And I can't believe how lucky we are at our site to have the people who are so knowledgeable and passionate and to do all the stuff that you guys do. So I'm, I'm thrilled to that you've, that you've worked with us and been with us for, I don't know, well over a year, right? Like it's been, yeah. it's been fantastic. So, and I, I'm happy to hang out with you guys. This is fun for me. I get a little exhausted. I'm not going to, I won't, I'll tell the absolute truth. Like a little exhausted with the fandom, right? But on a night like tonight, it's hard not to be a fan and just to be excited. Yeah. And it was so great to talk to other people who, are, are that excited about it too. So um, I do, I do want to plug something before I go and it isn't anything about my site or anything. I, I want you guys to know that like on August 5th uh, that, that a predator sequel called prey is coming out on Hulu and I want everyone to watch it. Um, it is, it is maybe on par with the original predator movie. Uh, it is, I, am a huge fan of the predator mythology and I have watched every movie multiple times. I watch the original predator every year. Um, and when I watch prey and I see Amber mid thunder, mid thunder as a, a Comanche warrior in the, in the like 1700s, uh, and the idea that, that Dan Trachtenberg had to set this at the time period and to cast almost an entirely indigenous cast in this. It's just fantastic. And I want you guys to watch it and appreciate, um, what the story they're telling, not just about native Americans, but, but just the watch the cinematography of this movie, the beauty that they shoot in it and, and enjoy it because man, you don't get many things like this anymore. Mm. Um, just, a, I hope that, I hope that Dan Trachtenberg and the people that made this movie get to make more, they, uh, I will certainly not spoil it for anybody, but they certainly leave it open to a sequel. Um, okay. and I know, and I know my guy, Charles Villanueva is as high on it as I am. Um, what a, I, that, and that's my, that's where I am. I, I want to part with that. What a beautiful movie. I hope you guys all watch it. Just give it a shot. I wish it had made it in the theaters so that you guys could enjoy it on a big screen, but goddamn, what a great predator movie it is. So check that out and uh, and enjoy it and and make sure that you do what you, your part to make sure it gets the sequels it deserves. Well, what, well 100%. Yeah. And yeah, Murphy's Multiverse, Murphy's is where you can find Charles and everybody else who's there. When I write my stuff there, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, Jay Christie, where can we follow you, sir? At Jay Christie, you know how it is. Uh, you know, I'm very, this was a great pod. I'm, it, it, I'll say this, it is good enough where I am not that mad at how much editing I'm gonna have to do. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not not mad about it because, like, let's be honest. But it is, this was my fault. No, it is not your fault. Actually, it's a couple people's faults. It's mostly uh, <laughs> my fault for uh, for not like thinking about how to tell people not to unplug stuff. But you know, it's all good. And uh, also, who we all know that I do a minimal amount of editing anyway. So uh, thank everyone who's listening. This has been a really cool conversation. And uh, yeah, if you guys have any thoughts, uh, you know, AC is going to promote it all, but let us know because we have some stuff that you can talk to us through. 
Yes, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyCanton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash MC University Pod. Get into the Discord. Check out the bonus episodes. We'll be doing more bonus episodes coming up this week. Only, only Murders in the Building is coming. I'm looking forward to talking uh, about that with our pals. And, yeah, thank you guys for supporting. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. So, for Dalbino Sorio. Howard Bryant, Charles Murphy, and Jay Christie. I'm Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. so good i loved it again like i'm like i will never forget my whole life but anyway continue yeah. Um, nope. not being able to see nope in the theater and not being able to see top gun maverick in the theater so because, good because of my baby yeah are hard choices that i've had to make. <laughs> that's the I'll real that's the agenda I, it, that's that is real I really I feel for you, and <laughs> and as I do many times in this podcast, I feel very grateful to be twenty six single and having new children, <laughs> and it really feels good. And and I'm saying this I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this because so many times older people tell me tell older young people, people that they don't tell take what advantage mean, you of people. When young. Yeah, what do you <laughs> mean you people? Right, right. Regular <laughs> people who are older than me talk all the time about how like we don't take. I'm just saying I do take advantage of it. I go to a movie in theaters like oh. once a week. And so I do take advantage of it. Just let we, my wife and I got to go to see Love and Thunder. Nice. It's the first time we got out of the house since she was about six months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That sounds like, about right. We want to see this movie. <laughs> Runtime's a little short. Let's get knots. Let's go to dinner while we're at it. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea what to do with your hands when you're out anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I knew what to do with them, but, you know, like. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> It was something like just that. And it's crazy because we have an 18, an almost 14, and a five-month-old, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, that's a transition, man. Woo. <laughs> that's a woo. That's a – yeah, that's definitely a – shout The only guys. time – I'll tell you this, man. The only time that I feel old now because I don't work – I don't work in a school anymore, right? The only time I feel old is when I come on this pod because when you talk about like, oh, I'm 26, I'm like, I'm 37, man. Like, Also, <laughs> I love that you say that because it is just me because Jerome, I think is – Casey, how old are you again? I'm 35. Yeah, because Jerome is 36 and AC is 35, so it's just me. It's just you, and it's it's just me. And I'm thinking, I try. I I'm so deeply sorry for because <laughs> I because you have to be dubbing because I started doing podcasts with older people when I was still in college, and I would just be like, I just, I've, I've been the youngest person on so many podcasts, and I I could not be I cannot feel worse about it. But anyway, let's continue with your point. I'm, I'm on the exact opposite, where I'm like always the oldest person every every time I do anything with anybody. So in this no, call, right? Like, you got, you got though, beat tonight. So yeah, there but you the go. The thing is, though, 
if you are like still with it as an old person, then that is cool. Like if, if you're still if you're, with you're, it as an old person, like if you're, like if you're still engaging with the culture, like that's cool. Like I, I'm being, I, I'm engaging not engaging with you know, the culture. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to be backhanded or anything like that. I'm just saying, like if you're still talking about the stuff that young people are talking about, that is cool. Like I, I, I lean so hard. I lean so hard onto my my middle kid, my Arlen, who writes on the site. Right, she's. She's gonna be fourteen in a couple weeks. Here, I lean so hard into her for everything. Yeah, she she doesn't have a Twitter. She does have a Twitter. Um, it's not under her real name. So, but she knows everything. She's she's into everything. She loves this shit. This she grew up on it, right? Like, yeah. So I lean into her all the time. She watches like like these people. I can't I can't do like uh, TikTok and some of these people yeah. that do this shit. And she's like, oh, dad, did you see this? I'm like. <laughs> No. God damn it! Like I was at no, the no, premiere no. for Multiverse of Madness, and I'm seeing all these people who are like, eh, "The latest Marvel shit was mid." I'm like, "Why are you here?" No, see the thing is, I, I think that people people who are older and I'm. AC can say I'm a very sincere person. I'm I'm never trying to be backhanded. That is, ne- I I very intentionally. This is never tremendous. Insincere. But and this is honestly not going in the podcast because it doesn't fit. This in. should. It should. These, it should. these old white guys. No, but the thing is that when like older people try to say like mid or slang, that's dumb. But I think a thing that I think about a lot is that my dad didn't really. He is not hip at all. He never used slang or whatever. But the thing I always appreciate about him is that unlike a lot of dads where like they teach they all they just like stop listening to music when they're like twenty. My dad just kept listening to the new radio well into his forties. So when I was growing up, we would just listen to the same music with each other, right? And he yep. also would watch new TV all the time. Like I joke all the time that my dad is the only Republican voter to see every episode of Atlanta. Like he just is on <laughs> and so even though he's not my dad is not cool by any means, he still is He's he has not set in his ways to be like I just don't care about anything anymore, and like that is actually cool. It's not cool if a guy in his fifties or forties is like that. That shit is mid, bro. Like that's dumb. Like, <laughs> but like if you actually engage with the culture that's going on, that's sincere and cool, and I appreciate yeah. that. That's that's what I mean. So no, one I- thing, the one one thing I, that I, I did want to add because I just literally saw this and I didn't know that this was something that happened. So Kevin Feige spoke and he said that the Russo brothers will not be directing the Avengers movies. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Did he really? Yes, yes. We'll uh, see. This was we'll from, see. This was from <laughs> Deadline, Deadline Hollywood. We'll see. Anyway, oh, being, we cut you off like five oh, minutes. Ago. Yes. Oh say? no! Oh no! It's all good. This was great. <laughs> I really think <laughs> you should keep this in the pod. No, so I'm I saying am. that. I'm, I'm too drunk now.